The jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Ladies and gentlemen, to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, we're coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live every weeknight, that's Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network. We're also simulcast on BTR, Blog Talk Radio. You can watch us live and by archive on our YouTube channel. The links to each audio and video broadcasting venue can be found of course, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so funny. He's showing me notes. Now I get them later. It's all right. Uh, don't worry about it. Uh, I had left my notes in my office in my rush to get into the studio. And, uh, Joe said, oh, I'll get them. And I, of course, my, you, you think my desk is clean, right? No, it's not. No, it's not. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, anyway, folks, we're simulcast on BTR, and you can watch us live by archive on our YouTube channel. The links to each audio and video broadcasting menu can be found at hagmanandhagman.com. And, and don't forget, folks, we've got multiple websites. Uh, hagmanandhagman.com is, of course, for the show website. There you can go right there, and you can uh, uh, watch the show live. Also, links to the different uh, venues, audio and video, right there on the right-hand side. And of course, HagmanReport.com. And you know, HagmanReport.com is what a great website for news and information. Um, HagmanReport.com. And Rhonda has done such a great job in putting together sections. And, and folks, I would urge everyone to scroll through HagmanReport.com and scroll, scroll through because there are sections there that, um, really are pointed and, and are important for the things that, that, uh, that we, that we talk about. Now, I'm Doug Hagman at the Helfer with fellow investigator, researcher Joe Hagman. He he showed up tonight. Yeah, yeah I did. He's here. That's and right. uh, what you said about Hagman Report, uh, Rhonda does such a good job. That's where I go first now in the morning. Of course. That's what, that's what we need to do. See? So thank you, Rhonda. Big yes. help. And, and, you know, folks, we do dig into topics uh, that the corporate Illuminati-controlled mass media won't, will never do. And many people, they adhere to the coincidence theory of, of uh, history and geopolitical events. We don't. No, we, we, or, or coincidence theory. Did I say conspiracy theory? Coincidence theory. Coincidence. I, yeah, I just want to make sure I said that correctly. Uh, we don't. We look at the conspiratorial, conspiratorial aspects because by definition, what we're seeing here with the formation of a one world government, new world order is conspiratorial in nature. And that's, uh, you know, so, so we, uh, obviously that's something that we have to really Look at and folks, um, you know we are primarily, primarily we are a listener-supported broadcast. So um, we want to thank each and every one of you who has has supported us, whether through prayer, whether through uh, donations, whether through uh, well, everyone who has helped us grow and continue to grow and reach out and can help us stay on the air. And thank you so much. Now, in this episode tonight, Joe is is back in his chair, a little bit on the horse side. Yeah, don't don't have a sore throat. <clears throat> Just one of those days where uh, 
I don't know. The vocal cords in the throat don't wanna don't wanna work right. Yeah, feel good, figure. feel great. The voice sounds kinda crappy. Well, anyway, yeah, it's uh but but he's but back happy nonetheless. That's right. And we could yeah. love to get into uh, well in hour one. Before we do, I just want to remind people portions of nice broadcast brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. Now, folks, please, please, please try them out. I have, Joe. I, I think, um, I think we have really benefited. I, I can say this honestly: we benefited through by WholeTonesLive.com because the music itself, whether you're interested in productivity or you're interested in relaxation or healing. WholeTonesLive.com, they've got it. Download a sample there. More on that later. Go ahead, sir. No, uh, Whole Tones Live, and <clears throat> if I uh, am looking, was looking at this correctly, Michael Terrell will be with us uh, uh, very shortly. Yeah, yeah. We and did schedule him. You know, he was on in January, and I got I got to say this: people had uh, just absolutely loved him. It's it, 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 at first I thought, you know. We don't want it to, I mean, certainly an infomercial. We don't want to have a sponsor come on and it'd be like an infomercial. But we learned so much about frequencies. Yep. And see their importance. Yes. And, and frequencies, biblical frequencies are extremely important. But, but you know, it was interesting because we got into a, a topic and I wanted to, to resume that. Um, about how the Nazis and, and how um, the Illuminists use frequencies to alter moods and also weaponize. We, frequencies have been weaponized. So yeah, well, you'll be able to do that Tuesday, yeah. the uh, the eighth yeah. of March, okay. the first two hours. All right. So I I just I just find it amazing just to uh, uh, just to hear or to learn about frequencies and about the music. And also, uh, you know, the uh, Beatles and all the heavy metal. What is that doing to to our children? And what is that doing to us? And and so he's going to have a lot to say, a lot to say. So so don't even think, uh, you know, it's 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 not just about whole tones. It's about the specific frequencies, how they affect us, and how they've been used as weapons by the CIA, by the government, by other governments, and. It's really going to be a great show. So when you think about it, <clears throat> uh, folks, and I want everybody to do this before he comes back on, Michael Terrell of Holtones, you go to uh, YouTube and search the effects of frequency on water. Yes, and yes. When you realize that you know us as human beings, our bodies are you know made up most majority over three fourths. I don't know the percentage. But we're, we're mostly water. And you see what they can do with sound and how that can affect water. And they take a raindrop, for instance, or a drop of water, and they have a very low pitch noise, and they play that noise, and it turns the water into a into a shape, <clears throat> into a, like a snowflake. Each frequency, individual, or yeah. each uh, level of frequency, pitch from low to high changes that shape, and they're all so different. So, uh, I don't know. It's beautiful. But at the same time, when you think about how that effect could affect us in terms of energy weapon or sound weapon, um, it's kind of worrisome. Cause it's, it's, it's like they can obliterate us with a, with a push of a button with the right sound, with the right frequency yeah. and volume. Yep. But. And, and now tonight, folks, um, at eight o'clock, 
uh, at the top of the next hour and through the end of the program. We, we've got a special treat for you. I mean, I, 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 I will say this. Uh, I was on usapreparers.com, usapreparers.com. Vince Finelli, he's a, he's a, just a tremendous talk show host. He's a great guy. usapreparers.com. But, um, he is, you talk about preparing for tough times ahead. It's it's a lifestyle. He's going to be talking about some things, and and we had we had a discussion, a quite a lengthy discussion about what we're going to be talking about tonight. And um, yeah, I, I you know as as we talked, I said you know out of all of the people involved in the prepper movement, or out of all pre- people involved in preparation, I've never heard things discussed the way you. I mean. Uh, positioned or or presented, I should say, the way you presented them. Um, he's a, a very uh, he's a, a master's in finance and economics, but he hasn't worked in that capacity right. in thirty five <clears throat> thirty six years. Instead, he uh, he does a does a talk show, and he also he's a farmer. He's a cattle farmer and broadcaster, and uh, the head of USAPrepares dot com. But wow. when, when you listen to him tonight. I guarantee you, if you look, I'll tell you what. If you don't learn anything tonight, I'll give you your money back. Okay. Okay. Simple as that. Money back for the show. In other words, I didn't know he's a farmer. Yeah, yeah. He's when got. When does the guy sleep? Uh, he doesn't sleep much, and he doesn't need to. You know, but but no. It, but so, some of the things uh, and, and some very very practical advice. And he he told me a couple of stories that had me rolling. I mean, just laughing. Um, Situations that you or I might run into, folks, and and how to handle situations that could be invasive to your privacy, but won't be. Hey, and if you ever had a tele telemarketer call you, and you you haven't been able to get rid of telemarketers, <laughs> he's got a way, he's got a way to do that. Oh my goodness, was, I, I was wrong. Yeah, it and sounds if you, if you haven't had a telemarketer call you. Well, then you call us and, and explain that one to you to us. Yeah, exactly. But 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 this is a lifestyle that he's going to talk about, and I guarantee you, it's it's something. It, this is information you have not heard before, at least not in the format presented. And if you don't, like I said, if you don't walk away with with uh, with the um, uh, with better with extremely great knowledge, then you know, man, I'll tell you what, we'll give you your money back. A lot of news tonight. Of course, Super Tuesday yesterday. Would you, folks? Would you think about that? Right? Political theater. Nothing but political theater. My goodness. Um, not much there. Any surprises? Not really. Look, Sa- Sanders is not going to win the South at all. Sanders is going to be gone. Hillary Clinton, is, as far as I'm concerned, is Joe, and I'm, I'm I, don't, I would suspect. Um, Teflon Hillary is going to be in there for the nomination for the Democrats. And of course, Trump looks like for the Republicans, except Rose got some stuff up his sleeve and the establishment Republicans have a lot up their sleeve to, to take off Trump. Oh yeah. And I don't know if you saw this headline, but basically the Republican establishment mm-hmm. is angry. They're ready to burn their party down before giving the candidacy to Trump. Oh, of They're going to endorse Hillary. If Trump gets the nomination, yes, according to, um, some, and, and also Mitt Romney, they're trying to bring him back. 
into the mix. Yeah, and we we there was a mention I think with Stan Dale last night about uh, you know is it too late for a, a, you know Romney candidacy? Um, I, I don't think there's it's too late. It, I don't think it's too late for anything when you've got such a volatile mix of well. A brokered conventions, perhaps uh, you could have a number of things take place between now and the and the actual convention. So you just don't know, man. I'm telling you, um, it's really it's it's really anyone's guess. And and um, yeah, and uh, Mitt Romney of all people. I mean, there are people out there with gray minds who are um, God fearing men mm-hmm. who love the freedoms given to us in our founding documents That's right. who would you know basically give their lives for the uh, ability and opportunity to to help but we have the these lines that people can't cross and why is that we even had a, a presidential candidate on our show a couple weeks ago or last week but you've never heard of him why not Exactly. Not supposed to, right? That's and right. once these lines are getting crossed with Trump here, you know we don't know his true intentions. We don't know what he really wants to do. He sounds like he's saying all the right things. Well, Hitler said all the right things, and I'm not comparing the two. I'm comparing the, um, the how the climate was back in Germany in the 1930s and how the climate is in America here. Yep. You know, after a long depression economically and, and recession, no recovery, as they say, they have had. But <clears throat> we want, and most people want to see fairness, equality, and the upholding of our laws as they are, as they are, and our freedoms unfringed. Try right. somebody, <laughs> somebody with a very, uh, with all the power, it seems doesn't want that and they're going to do everything they can to stop that from happening now whether yeah. trump is like i said is is the real deal or not um you know i don't know but he is independent and the one thing that that i really think is important is he is has so much money he doesn't need anybody's money so he can't get people can't buy his influence and mm, that scares right. them that's right that no, you're you're exactly right no, I'm going to try to help you rest your voice. I, I, there's something I want to get into. I, I did was able to access my notes via the computer here. Um, there's something that I did want to get into about um, what we're seeing today, what we're seeing take place today. And if you take a few steps back, and again, I like to look at things from a cruising altitude. Here's what's going on, and Here's how it's going on. I'm going to tell you both what's going on and how it's going on. While you're looking at the trinkets, the flashy little trinkets with respect to the presidential election that is nothing more than or nothing less than political theater, your First Amendment rights are under assault. The construction of the the construction of a one world religion is in progress and your, so your First Amendment rights and Second Amendment rights are under, under assault, as well as the um, uh, institution, the creation of a one-world religion. And they're all working in synchronicity with one another. And here's how. if Folks, if you go to the GatestoneInstitute.org and you take a look at their um, latest analysis and commentary, 
you're going to see something there about bombed, burned, and urinated on churches under Islam. All right. Now, the the bigger picture here, or the small, I'll go with the smaller picture here. You know, most people in the United States who are paying attention and who are part of, who are watching things take place, they're saying, okay, Islam right now appears to have the upper hand. You criticize Islam. If you're not sanctioned for it on Facebook, then you're certainly sanctioned for it by the, quote, radical, end quote, Muslims, right, through a, a fatwa or some other type of sanction. That's Okay, now think about that for a moment, because that does affect your First Amendment right of free speech, but it also it also falls into that um, one-world religion philosophy. And just bear in mind, and uh, this bears repeating, that the it is the goal of the people in power, the globalists, to 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 outlaw Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And you might think, wait a second, no. Well, let me tweak that statement just a tad. It is the goal for them to outlaw true Christianity, true Judaism, and true Islam. When I say true Islam, I'm talking about the fundamentalist, how it's taught, all right? And mm-hmm. it's, it's all going to be in the name of peace. And we're see, we've seen it happen with Chris Lom. We've seen it happen with Rick Warren. We've seen it happen with George W. Bush and others who say Islam and, and Christians and Jews, we all worship the same God. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. All right. And, you know, you have the World Council of Churches that has uh, their purpose is set out, just as you read, right. for a unification one faith, one church, right? All of religions in, included. But the problem with that is, they're going to leave. <clears throat> excuse me. They're going to leave the true Jesus. They're going to leave. What you know? They're going to create the. As Alice Bailey writes in the, uh, not externalization of the hierarchy, the reappearance of the coming one. I believe it's called for the reappearance of Christ. She writes about uh, an avatar that is coming on the world. He's a world savior. He is the Messiah that the Jews have waited for that have never came. He's the the, the Mahdi. He's the fulfillment of all religious texts of the Messiah. They say he's going to be coming in human form to save us from ourselves under this new governmental system, <laughs> right? And, and therein lies the golden nugget, the, the silver or gold strand of this new world, one world religion. Because we cannot have the dissent among these monotheistic religions, the three monotheistic religions. We cannot have dissent. And, and what is the point of contention? The point of contention is, of course, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in Christianity, a prophet in Judaism and in Islam. Okay, so you've got to dilute all three religions, pervert all three religions in order to allow them to coalesce and form a state religion. All right, here's what Alice Bailey says. Um, 
she talks about, they say in the past there's always been religious teachers who have fostered and, pro- and proclaimed, um, you know, great, um, they, they've, they've solved the problems. They've, they've changed history. And they say this coming one <clears throat> is going to solve the problems of today. The reappearance of the Christ are this. When the times are ripe, the invocation of the masses, strident enough, and the faith of those who know, is keen enough. Then always he has come today, and it will be no exception to this ancient rule or universal law. <clears throat> For decades, the reappearance of the Christ, the Avatar, has been anticipated by the faithful in both hemispheres, not only by Christians, but by uh, those who look for the Maitreya, or the Buddha Istava, as well as those who expect the Imam Mahdi. Right. I mean, look, it's... Uh, all right. So th- those are kind of the intricacies. But but here in practice, here is what we are hearing today and here is Exhibit A in the courtroom. Um, if this was a courtroom, what's taking place? Who's behind it? Who's who's actually part of the constructing, deconstructing of Christianity, deconstructing of Judeo-Christian principles and, and Jewish and uh, uh, Judaic uh, uh, principles and, and beliefs, and who is morphing um, Islam into the other two monotheistic religions? Well, and, and how is it being accomplished? If you look at the Gatestone Institute website, Raymond Ibrahim had written an article dated uh, today, as a matter of fact, about bomb burned and urinated on Christian churches under Islam. Now, I want you to think about this, because this is true. What's taking place is true. But this is part of a larger, a much larger machine, okay? Um, And it's important to really understand this. There was a church in... Mosul that um, well let's see here the Islamic State blew up the country's oldest Christian monastery St. Elijah's in Iraq it it was a 27,000 this thing was 27,000 square feet it it, it stood in Mosul for 1400 years okay the oldest building the oldest Christian monastery and ISIS comes in and blows it to bits. We've seen okay. them do this with pagan sites also. All right. Yes, yes. But, see, here is the, the, the sad part about this. We go in, the United States goes in, with a coalition of the willing into Iraq to do what? To, to to set the people free, to to bring make, democracy, right, and, and to and to whatever the, the the lie is, and what in the heck did we get in return? What in the hell? What what happened? What went wrong? Well, according to Steve Warren, the spokesman for the U.S. military, who's in charge of efforts against ISIS, nothing went wrong. Nothing. You see, so is he admitting? No, no, he was asked about the status of Christians in Iraq soon after the monasteries. This place was blown to bits, and so is it, it, no, you might as well have been. A right. reporter says, "Hey, how's how things going? How's the efforts against ISIS? How's it going?" Well, we've seen no specific evidence of specific targeting toward Christians. All right, hey, hey, you see that big hole over there? Look over there. Look over there, Steve. Steve Warren, Colonel, 
not only the church, but those who would inhabit the church. What in the hell you think? Well, we, uh, gee, I wonder what in the hell was in that hole there, where there, there used to be twenty-seven thousand square feet, yeah. and, and, and fourteen hundred years old, fourteen centuries. What do you think was there, Steve? How's it going, Steve? For the love of, I mean, seriously. But everything's going fine, right? All right. So. <laughs> Don't pay attention to the smoking crater over there. Nothing to see here. It's just it's just a hole in the ground. What was there? I don't know. It was some old building. How old? Ah, fourteen hundred years old. But but you know we see no specific evidence of of specific targeting of 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 anything Christian. That's because they've been wiped out and they've or fled. They've been murdered, massacred, and in, in by the masses and or have escaped. <clears throat> I mean, uh, the population of Christians went from millions to hundreds right, of thousands. Right. But, but 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 the lies. You see the lies. Are, are we going to hear about this by the mainstream media? No. You got it. You got a, nothing but a big circle jerk of these of these of these uh, polit- or, or these pundits out there that are, are that have nothing more to say. Or nothing to say beyond gee, you know, we had a Super Tuesday, and then so and so is our person of, of interest. Really? I mean, I, I, look, it looks like you know he's gonna. It looks like Sanders. It looks like oh, what about Cruz? You know, no, every but pay attention to the shiny trinket. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, don't don't pay attention to the crater over in Iraq. And by the way, how many men and women died for that crater? Well. Not for the crater, but what once stood in that crater. And don't tell me that religions aren't that, that, that Christians aren't a target. Don't tell me. Don't insult my intelligence. And every one of you out there who is insulted by my rant should be not insulted by my rant, but insulted by the by this Colonel Steve uh, Wussy head over there. What's his head? Uh, uh, Steve Warren, a spokesperson for the U.S. military against ISIS. You should be insulted by his lies, his deceit. And the deceit of this government, because you damn right Christians are on the on the trop- chopping block. You you better believe Christians. You better believe that in America, this is coming to America. And Mickey Weinstein is here, and then they urinate on churches. And it's not enough to blow them up. They're gonna they're gonna urinate on them. Well, see, it's not just the destruction of the religion or the belief. It is the humiliation. It is the uh, it is the process of not only uh, taking the people and, and, and killing them or, you know, trying to re-educate them or um, obliterating the, the belief itself. <clears throat> it is the process of doing so while we see it plainly, yet they can tell you it doesn't, that doesn't look like, that's not what it looks like. Everything's right. fine. I mean, adding insult to injury. They're going to continue to do this. Well, you know, they'll kill 10 Christians out in the public and say that, you know, they just did the world a favor because whatever. Oh, they're going to lie. It's better. not just the, the, the tearing down. It's the <laughs> rubbing it in your face, like I said. It is the humiliation. They're going to make it as bad on every level as possible. So the suffering is as, is as maximized as possible for those who are in the know. Because for those who are in the know and understand the times we're in, you can't look at the news and not have your heart hurt when you see stories about the persecution 
and sure, that happens. Yeah, I mean, uh, but but and no. then when they turn around and, and people, mainstream yeah. backs I mean, it up and says, you know, oh, it's not really like that. That's right. Well, no, abortion isn't murder. Of course not. And, and and we can accept it because it's under women's rights. But the fact, but but look, Muslim attacks on Christian churches. And if this doesn't make you angry, and don't tell me to calm down. All right, don't don't do not tell me to calm down because I've got the right to be be perfectly hacked off. And don't ruin a good anger. Okay, is it the Seventh Amendment, the right to be hacked off? That's right. Well, I, uh, okay, so they, so they take out a 14th century old church. And I wonder, gee whiz, hey, George H.W., George W., and everyone who supported the war in Iraq, how, how's it, how's it working for you? Mission accomplished? Not yet, because all of the Christian churches haven't been blown to bits. Now, am I picking on George W. and H.W. and all that, and Kissinger and, and every damn globalist out there, the unchristian? Am I picking on them? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, I'm just saying what's right. So, so we, so we got a, 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 a nothing but a huge hole in the ground where a, a church building once stood. And, and you know what? And you got these little itty bitty. You got these little itty bitty backbiting, ankle biting Christians out there who, who sit there and type in blogs, okay? Can, can you hear that, well, Eric? No. Can you hear that? They, they type in blogs and they say, well, did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? He said that, uh, you know, he should. Uh, right. Oh, the, the end fight. You know, the, yeah, the, they, they really should. Uh, oh, my goodness, are they. Gee whiz, do you know something? Do you know what Doug said, or do you know what Steve said, or do you, can you believe this? Because you know, I I went to church, and 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 I mean, this is not godlike. All right. Well, no, no. <laughs> well, you, you know, know what? what? Then, 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 okay. I think I I, I know I'm mixing things. You're, I know you're attempting to, to to kind of quell my my anger, no, but I'm going to tell all. you something. You you out there, you out there behind the keyboard, who sit there and to type every freaking word that we say in this studio, and I know you do because I read it. And I get emails on it. You sit there, you monitor everything we say. But by God, you holier-than-thou Christian, by God, do you think for one second you could turn your attention on what really you should be uh, pissed off about? You should be pissed off about that 27,000 square foot, 14th century old, huge hole in Iraq. That's what you should be mad about. Instead of sitting there saying, "Oh well, did you hear what he said? Did you did you hear that? Ah, that's unbiblical. I think we should take. I, oh, come on, grow some men, grow some cojones. Women, I'll tell you, do your job as Christians. Absolutely. But uh, wait, I, I'm sorry. I, there's more because <clears throat> because okay, so you got a, a smoking crater over in Iraq. All right, you got Kosovo, you got Muslims urinating in an Orthodox Christian church, the capital city. You got a deputy prime minister over there condemning the desecration of the temple of the, of, of the Christ. But it's okay. We can't. We can't do anything. Let them urinate. It's it's a cultural difference, right? How about Algeria? Back a month ago, you got you got unknown vandals who damaged, robbed, and wrote jihadi slogans on a church there in Algeria. You got Kuwait. You got lawmaker El Al Azemi said that he and other MPs are going to reject any initially approved request to build churches. Why? Why? Because it could offend someone. It could offend uh, Islamic Sharia laws. It could contradict Islamic Sharia laws. Yeah, in Kuwait, yep. we can't do that. And take oh, the, for crying out loud. Take but, religion but, out for a second. 
as far as Christians are concerned, in California, <clears throat> in some places, you can't hang the American flag in in fear of offending Muslims. Right. It's not just. I mean. Right. But continue. I mean. You're, right. you're, I, yeah. No. I got more. I got more because if, if 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 a crater, smoking crater, doesn't doesn't really anger you, and if if pissing in a church doesn't anger you, and if if and if uh, lacking. Lacking the uh, the, the uh, ability to build a church in Kuwait doesn't make you mad, but oh, another Christian maybe just not quite being Christian like that'll make you mad. That's my that's where I'm going to put my attention, and you know who I'm talking about. You know damn well who I'm talking about, and the people who I'm talking about. But let me continue. Okay, Mongolia, days after a church celebrated Christmas. Yeah, explosives were thrown into a stove at uh, at a church house, a house church. Yeah, just just so to make sure they wouldn't they wouldn't celebrate anymore. Pakistan, three churches were attacked. You got an apostolic church burned. You had another some twenty six year old Muslim broke into the Victory Church in Pakistan and burned copies of the Bible and other sacred books. Yeah, Christians, what did they do? They swore jihad against this guy. Oh, wait a minute. No, they didn't. I'm sorry. I, I'm mistaken. They didn't do that. Yeah. Now, see, what happened was they complained, but the but the laws said, no, he's... Police claimed that he was mentally unstable and therefore could not be tried, and we got to let him go, and, you know, you know, he was a registered progressive over there. Also in Pakistan, a group of Muslims, they took church property. They just went in and took church property. The Christian congregation eventually gave up trying to reacquire a church building and re- it's being uh, in a meeting place held by police. The Muslims instead, they took up weapons and guns and machetes and attacked the Christians' family members in their homes. What did the Pakistanis do? Which you'd think, right? They went after him, right? No. Now, here, here's what you need to do. You need to make peace with the Muslim youth. And Christians are rolling over for it. Did you hear what I said? Make peace with the Muslim youth. That's, that's what they were told to do. How about southern Sudan? Muslims sent the... from the Muslim majority in Sudan. I, you know what? I'm not going to go on. Because Egypt, same thing. Iran, other things. Uh, Indonesia, where, you know... Obama spent much of his glorious weenie days. Turkey. And then you got the slaughter of Christians, right? You, you got the, you got the three Christians raped and they're tortured by, to death by Muslims in Pakistan. And you got the Muslim men saying, we've got, the, that's our right. Where in the hell are the women's rights groups here in America? Where are the feminists, so-called feminists? Where's my body, my choice? Where are those women? Where's the outrage there? And if you're a Christian woman, and if you're a Christian guy, and not responding to something like this, why not? Why not? And anyone tries to ram Romans 13 down my throat is going to get a ram right back, except not down your pie hole. It's going to be in another orifice. How about Romans 12? No, I know. I'm not joking when I say this, but... We are given, and we are told in John sixteen thirty three. It says, um, 
These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. <clears throat> in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And we're told that this is going to happen, that we are going to have tribulation. Romans 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing in sin and prayer. <clears throat> they say, Count it a joy, seeing a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. They say, and it says in the Bible that, For in the end days, we told you before, uh, when we were with you, that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, that ye know. And God also said, if the world didn't love me, they're not going to love you. And I'm, that I'm paraphrasing. Not only are they not going to love you, but of course not. they killed me. They're going to do this, obviously. And 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 we we but, expect that. We expect that. We should expect that. And and we should rejoice in the fact that that that's our uh, that that we we are actually kind of worthy to be among the among them. But I wanted to close with this verse because this is important. This is the the, the whole thing of the matter. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or violence? They're saying, no matter what happens on this earth, one thing has to be a, a, a certainty. Your relationship, faith, and love in the Lord. And without that, I mean, there isn't... The, you're not going to have anything in this world or the next. That's right. You're either all in for for Jesus, or you might as well just throw the towel in. Exactly. Well, the reason I went off like this, obviously, aside from the obvious reason, you, you know, right now we're seeing war against free speech, and we're allowed to talk like this. Right now I'm allowed to talk like this against... Today. Today, right now, today. Tomorrow, not so sure. Next month, not so sure. But at least right now I'm allowed to talk this way. I'm allowed to say my piece. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I lost a sponsor or two. I don't care. Or nine. I don't care. It, 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 don't, it doesn't matter. You see, because here's what's going on. You know, right now Facebook, and you've heard all you folks, you've always, you've heard this. Yeah. Facebook, they're removing speech as pre presumably, uh, or that they and feel is, is xenophobic. So, is Islamophobic, xenophobic, every phobic you can imagine, except, you know, uh, uh, Christ. Well, uh, look, what's taking place right now, and you, you've got to remember, it was only, it was, it was when was it, uh, a number of weeks ago, where uh, Angela Merkel met with Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook at a UN Development Summit in New York. What did they talk about? As as they sat down, Merkel, my, Merkel, her microphone was still on recorded uh, that microphone recorded Merkel asking Zuckerberg what could be done to stop the, this this anti-immigration posting uh, these postings all across Facebook she said hey is this something you're working on there Merkel bunny huh what do you think because it's really killing our numbers here it's hurting our demographics you know we can't have this Zuckerberg says oh yeah Angela yeah mm -hmm. yeah Angela, who happens to be, in my view, the uh, illegitimate offspring based on a, a sperm donation by Adolf Hitler, but then that's just my view. Of course, look it up and do your own research, but figure it out. Look at the German Nazi doctors that were around at that time. You might call me crazy, and I don't care if you do. It doesn't matter, because you know why? Because you have the right to free speech right now. 
that we're sticking up for. So you can call me crazy, and you can make YouTubes, <clears throat> and you can uh, put postings on there to, to, to uh, anywhere you want, saying how crazy we are and how unchristian-like we are for talking like this. And you can do anything you want because we're fighting for your right to do just that. But so, but while you spend your time sitting there behind a keyboard in your onesies, all right, with your adult diapers on, chances are, in my view, allegedly, whatever other disclaimer I got to throw out there, all right, we're at least bringing the truth to the American people and to the people of the West, saying, "Look, this is what's going on." Zuckerberg. Facebook, Google. Merkel, globalists, Google, Vatican. You see that yeah, everything. Happen? Yes, yes. What's that uh, for an internet or for a pope that says he's never used the internet? Why? Why are Google uh, leaders or owners going to meet with the pope? I'm twitching. Something is not right there. Okay. Well, see here. Okay, I said all of that to say this. Can you see? Well, everyone's looking up. When's when's it coming? When's it coming? I don't know. I think I might see it. It's coming. I'm going to have to put my bicycle helmet on. I'm talking about the asteroid or whatever meteor that's coming. Nibiru. No, I'm not making. Serious. I'm not making fun of it. But while everyone's looking up, everyone's looking everywhere else. Mm-hmm. Look around you. Look around you. What is happening right now around you? The system is coming down around you. Meanwhile, you're looking up. Uh, you know, know, gives the meaning to what sure the what Bible says for those who have the eyes to see. They'll see but not understand. This is the blindness that we have brought upon ourselves due to the indifference of moral standards being loosened and let completely uh, set free and turned over to evil. This is what happens. It's just going to get worse. It's just going to get worse. And like I said, and this is the humiliation part, for those who can see, for those who do understand, it's so in your face, and it's like they're rubbing it in your face and with their middle finger up in the one hand, and, you know, well, this is what they want. You, you know, if, if yeah, exactly. They want to defeat your soul. They want to defeat your faith. They want you so beaten down that you are unable to, to do anything but criticize the person next to you because... When you have the, what's that law, where if somebody yells at, you know, your boss yells at you, you take and yell at your wife, and your wife yells, that's what they want. They want everybody to be so fearful and and so worried about um, being called, you know, uh, or offending somebody or, or, you know, the truth is not, the truth is a matter of perspective now. The facts are no longer the truth. The truth is what people want it to be. And right. When they, can, when they the truth can, is relative, right? Right. Now it is. And when that when they can do that, anything's possible. Right. As far as how how dark this can get. Yeah. 
And, and sometimes it, the, the reason, for example, like, you know, got an email. What got you so mad? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm human. Maybe it's because I, I look around and I see people that are just walking around like zombies that, that don't get it. Maybe I, maybe it's because that, you know, maybe it's because of that, that 1400 year old church, nothing but a crater and you got somebody from the government saying everything's okay, not a problem. Hey, we're, you know, uh, Christians aren't being targeted. Maybe because that's coming to the United States and people aren't seeing it. Maybe because there are not enough people. Or, no, let me take that back. Maybe because there are too many people. Okay, again, wearing onesies, maybe sitting in their in their in the in their house, and I don't know, you know, Hattiesburg or or Delaware or New England or I guess Delaware is New England or or wherever, right? And type and saying, "Oh, this is so bad. This is you know, oh oh, these Christians aren't they're not Christian like, and they'll do everything in their power, but you know what? They won't lift a finger." to fight for Christianity. They won't lift a finger to, to fight for the truth. They won't lift a finger when Christians are suffering, and we do all we can to help people who are suffering and to get the truth out there, to change the hearts and minds of people. And, and, I, and I'm not trying to be people. like Ellie. You know, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just hacked off today, okay? And I'm allowed to be. All right. I'm not trying to emulate anyone or be anyone different. I'm just, I'm just really hacked off at everything today because I think I broke them. I did. That could very well be. But, but the fact of the matter is, we need to get it. We, everybody needs to get in this fight. And if you're not going to get in this fight, and if you're not going to saddle for battle, those are my words. Saddle for battle. If you're not going to saddle for battle, and if you're not going to fight for for our rights, then get the hell out of my way, because I am. It's kind of like at the stoplight the other day. Okay, I gunned it through a yellow light. I mean, gunned it through a yellow light. There's a problem, however. The guy ahead of me, stop. <laughs> All right. A little, little of it. It happened. All right. But, but I was looking ahead. See, I was looking ahead. And, and th- that's not a true story. I just, so, just so people know, that's not a true story. But, but th- that's the concept. Look ahead. Let's look at the bigger picture. Let's look at the bigger fight. Let's get together. We as Christians need to get together. You know, if if every Christian stood up and said, you know something, I about had it with with this uh, coexist BS. I've about had it with this uh, 3.5% of the American population telling me I've got to accept these these whacked-out transgendered jobs that can use a, a, a bathroom that my granddaughter is using. If I ever can, and I'll say this flat out, okay, and if you consider this a threat, then so be it. i got a guy that walks into a women's bathroom and my granddaughter is in there, we're, we're going to have a go. Okay, you want to see? Bring bring some cameras because you're going to need it for the indictment. Here's an example, <clears throat> and thank you, Larry, uh, for sending this. Saint Cloud, Minnesota billboard removed when Catholic Charities complains. What did the billboard say? Catholic Charities resettles Islamists, evil or insanity. Pictures with a thousand words. They say this local Catholic Church charity sign. Uh, the Catholic Church charities complained when the sign uh, they said was inaccurate because their particular branch didn't exactly place uh, Muslims in the St. Cloud area. Anyway, a billboard was privately put up by a uh, 
God-fearing man. What did what it say? That said, uh, Catholic Charities Resettling Islamist, Evil or Insanity. Mm. Wait, Question. Wait, 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 wait. Catholic Charities. Here's a picture for you. Catholic Charities Resettles Islamists, Evil or Insanity. Okay, so, so basically it's a true statement. Right. And he's saying, okay, we can't have this. All right, go on. And the it was taken down. Uh, they were taken down. um uh, because they said it was inaccurate. A billboard that was targeted, uh, Catholic Charities Resettling Muslim Refugees, was taken down on Wednesday, days after it was installed in St. Joseph Township in Stearns County. The sign, which read, Catholic Charities Resettles Islamists, Evil or Insanity, was paid for by an individual uh, for an outdoor advertising so company. So were they sued? Was, it, was he sued? Well, here's what it goes, it goes on to say this, that the... A spokesman for the Catholic Charities in St. Cloud said the office reached out to the advertising firm after an employee spotted the billboard to notify the firm is it not uh, involved in refugee resettlements. So the uh, person, the billboard owner that leases the, that space out, decided to remove the sign due to the inaccuracy, right. they say. Right. And it's obviously not inaccurate. The article goes on to list how it is they do resettle Islamists, just not in that county or in that town. So we got we, we we have right. I get it. I mean, the bottom line is um, they just didn't want the truth to be told, so they they, they do it. See, and, 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 and that, that, that's the other thing. Special okay. privilege. All right, and, and folks, and, and get ready for this. It's happening today. It's happening. It's happening. Okay. Joe, just like Joe said, this is happening. Here, here's what's happening. You say something, or you do something, or you're out there telling the truth, and you know what happens? Somebody doesn't like it. You know what they'll do? They'll they'll sue you. Why? Because they can. Now, right or wrong, it doesn't matter if they're intelligent enough to use a keyboard or a typewriter or a word processor or whatever, a pen and a paper, a crayon and a paper. They can file suit if they got. 40, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. And, and what will happen then is this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about the accuracy. But see, as, as Christians, and, and I want you to understand this because it happened to the Christians in the bakers. I mean, the baker, the Christian, the Christian bakers. It happened to, uh, numerous, it's happening all over the, all over the country where Christians are being sued. Mm-hmm. And you know, See, litigation is being weaponized against the truth tellers, and it doesn't even have to be legitimate. The, 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 it doesn't. Have, it could be just crazy talk. Yep. But but you know what happens? <clears throat> Here's what happens: you've got to spend the time, the to money, defend the money, and the, it, it's not it's not a hundred bucks to defend. No. It's not a thousand dollars to defend. It's not even ten thousand dollars to defend. It's twenty thousand dollars. And eight dollars a minute, or forty thousand dollars. Gee, I wonder where the hell that number came from. But what you just said, litigation is weaponized. People do not understand the danger that that poses to every and any organization. That's right. Whether they're Christian outright, or they're they're a Christian organization, or an organization that is just believers, you do not understand the. The war that will be brought, it will, it will be a slow war where you they will, will be bled dry. Bled. That's right. They will hang you up 
and bleed you, and you can like be, a sheep. You can have proof you are innocent. I mean, doesn't matter. You have to go through the motions, and that will bleed you dry. And, and, you, and you see, and, and people, well, stop your bitching. That's what people, okay, I've heard this. Stop your bitching. You, you have no right to complain. And if my language offends you, I, I'm i not even going to say I'm sorry. But, but because... When you call it complaining? It, it, it's, it's, look, here's where we're at, and time is short. We are running out of time. If you don't believe me, I, I mean, I, I'm not going to convince you. Go, I mean, if you don't believe me, then turn the dial. But if you do believe me, try to talk with, with your friends, family, neighbors, and, and associates, and, and, and really have them tune into us, have them tune into the alternative media, have them tune into people who know what's going on, who are actively taking the, the tip of the, the spear and being the tip of the spear and, and spreading the truth and going out there and trying to make a difference. But let's make a difference because if every Christian stood up and said, no, I am not going to be accountable to a 3.5% minority over transgendered, gay, lesbian, whatever it might be, no, I'm not going to allow uh, abortion, infanticide, murder of innocents in my county. If everyone stood up together, and if everyone stood up and said, you know, I, you're not going to nuke me before I go on that plane. You're not going to feel me up, and certainly you're not going to feel up my daughter or, or my granddaughter or my grandson if, before I go on that plane. If everyone said no, what do you think? What do you think they would do? We know it. They're wusses. They would back down and they would shut up and crawl back under the rock from which they came. And that's what we need to do. And I'm telling you right now, if we need to start it, let's start it, but let, let then let it begin here. Um, I need some coffee. Double espresso. I'll, I will get Double you some espresso. coffee at the break. We have uh, You should read the emails, Dad. You got uh, a lot of people saying, keep going. You are right on the money. I got somebody. I just have, have it on the on the chat uh, the chat feature. I never go on here. Doug is trying to get you people killed. Uh, all right, I'll tell you yeah. what. You know what? You know what? Stop li- listening. Whoever whoever that is, stop listening. Do me a favor. Stop listening. Go home. Go play checkers. Go. I'm not even sure that's. Just go away. All right. Simple as that. You happy now? I mean, there you go. You don't have to listen. Getting people killed. No, you know what? You you know if you if you're a guy that you don't have the testosterone, and if you're a woman, then you're whatever. Folks, we will be right back with Vincent Fennelli. He probably probably heard us. He's probably a runner. If he's he's, he's probably said, "I ain't coming on this show." (laughs) USAPrepares.com. Vincent Fennelli. The next two hours here on the Hagman Hagman Report. Stay with us.
And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. I've been medicated now. Apparently somebody grabbed me. Two people grabbed me. Uh, they injected me with something. I feel better now. I feel better now. And uh, now, uh, folks, welcome to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. We've got a wonderful, absolutely fantastic uh, couple of segments planned for you, the rest of the show planned for you. And we've got a, a very good friend of mine and a very good, uh, oh, if you have never heard the name Vincent Finelli, I ask you to do one thing. In your browser, type in usaprepares.com. That's usaprepares.com. He's got a radio show that I, I was honored to be on. Uh, it was Tuesday. Tuesday. It was Tuesday, mm-hmm. yeah. And his radio show runs from uh, 9 to 11 Central Time, 10 to noon, the real time, which is Eastern Time. And I kid, of course, real time. But before we get to, to Mr. Finelli, I just want to mention the portions of tonight's broadcast. I think after the first hour, I'm not sure, but I think are, are still brought to you by WholeTonesLive.com. I'm kidding. WholeTonesLive.com. Folks, if you've never heard of WholeTonesLive.com, you've got to, you've got to, you've got to look them up. And, and um, uh, maybe I shouldn't do this commercial, given the fact that I do say that they have music at the, using the frequencies of King David to calm even the most wild beast. However, and I'm being serious, uh, WholeTonesLive.com is Michael Terrell owns WholeTonesLive, and he's the artist and he's the man behind it. He uses the the uh, uh, frequencies of King David when in in, in creating music that can either be used for relaxation, for medita- uh, not meditation, but uh, uh, prayer, for healing, for uh, any number of things, for motivation, for clarity of thought, which many people have recommended that for me. But the music, when people understand that music is biblical, well, that, then you, you understand the reason why heavy metal rock is so destructive the reason why um, frequencies are used as weapons in wartime and, and to clear crowds but on the good side WholeTonesLive.com offers you an array of musical selections even download some for free if you're stressed, if you're overwhelmed, if you're not motivated visit WholeTonesLive.com download your free samples and seriously you know, I, that's that's a good thing I, uh, Joe, I should mention this, I did not play the today Whole Tones Live, maybe that's where my circuits were crossed because um, usually I have it playing in the, in, in the background but I was busy today with a bunch of bookwork and a bunch of things I but well, think of this: if music wasn't uh, did not influence or uh, have um, effects on people, why did they going into battle? Did you have you know drummers and right. uh, you know why heavy metal music? You mentioned the, I've heard and seen videos where the army you know just playing the the worst kind of stuff you could want to listen to. That's right, as yeah. a weapon, right? Yeah. But M- Michael Terrell's going to be on with us next next week, and. Uh, I, I just can't wait. WholeTonesAlive.com. Folks, go to WholeTonesAlive.com. That's W-H-O-L-E, TonesAlive.com. Support our broadcast. Support this show. Download a free sample at WholeTonesAlive.com. That's WholeTonesAlive.com. Check it out, man. You're not going to be sorry. All right, with us right now, uh, a man who I've got the utmost of respect for. And well, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, Mr. Vince Minnelli. Met met him uh, through a mutual friend, actually a freeze dry guy, a great man, um, some years ago. And he, Vince Minnelli, 
was a, or is a cattle farmer. He's a broadcaster. He's the man behind the website usaprepares.com. He, he's a full-time farmer, okay? He has got a master's degree in finance and economics, but you know something? He has not worked. He's, he has not, let me, let me say this, he has not had a job, to be more accurate, since the 1980s. And there's a reason for that. He's here to share his wealth of knowledge with us, and when you hear what he's got to say, I guarantee you, you're going to be just clamoring to have him come back. But I really want you to, to bookmark usaprepares.com, friend him on Facebook, support him on Facebook, and even send him an email or a little spot on, on Facebook and say, you know what, and, and after after you hear what he's got to say, I guarantee you, you're going to be you're going to be singing some praises. Vince Finelli, welcome to the Hagman and Hagman Report. <laughs> Doug and Joe, thank you so much uh, for inviting me to be with you this evening. I really appreciate well, it. Thanks for not running uh, running away when you uh, after the first hour. I really appreciate that. That's, no, um, you're absolutely right. When you were talking about what happens when you fly, it's an outrage. It's an outrage, and you're correct. We need to we need to say no more often. We do, don't we? And the last time we said no, Vince, uh, a number of years ago, when Infowars had an had an an initiative around Thanksgiving time mm-hmm. that we took part of, and we also Opt promoted. Out. It was opt out, and you know there were people causing scenes or, or saying we're not going to do this, and really gumming up the works. And, and the TSA backed down, and of course there were no terror incidents that. that that took place. So they shut down their whole yeah. security system for now, that weekend. No, no, Vince. During the before you came on, you're saying you know we could we could really this is a way this is a manner of fighting for our rights, isn't it? I mean, doing stuff like this, right? I do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it used to. My children, when they were younger, used to be embarrassed at first. Then they started thinking this is the this is the coolest thing because they could watch their dad, and then then the you know the the manager would show up, and then the next manager, and you know, if I were to store and I just challenged you know their system, challenged their policy, uh, people would start you know standing around watching because it, it was a lot of fun. Just saying no. Um, for example, uh, my credit card was shut down many times by a bank uh, called uh, UMB Financial. I've been with uh, this particular uh, company for years, and they they shut my card down when I was traveling to Virginia, and then they shut my card down so that I couldn't uh, pay a twelve dollar uh, meal tab at our meetup uh, a couple Mondays ago. You know, in front of in front of our listening audience, uh, you know, my credit card was declined. So, you know, I was quite annoyed. And so I called the bank, and uh, and they, you know, they say things like, uh, "Hi, this is Michelle. Uh, may I have your name, please?" And I'd say, "Okay, my name is Vincent." And I'd say, "Okay, I need your last name." Okay, Michelle, um, are you going to ask me for identification information? Yes. Okay, <laughs> Michelle, I'm going to need your last name. Well, I am not allowed to give you my last name. Okay. Well, then I can't talk with you, Michelle because I'm certainly not going to give financial information to someone I don't know and certainly not to someone who won't even give me their full name. So then, you know, what we do is we ask for the next level of supervisor and that makes Michelle look uh, inferior in the eyes of her her boss. And then when that supervisor says, you know, I'm only allowed to give you my operator code, then we ask for that person's supervisor and we go up the ladder. And here's what happened. 
Ultimately, I said, okay, I will give you that information. My name is Vincent, and my operator code is 1234. <laughs> <laughs> I need to have your last name. And I'd say, well, I'm only authorized to give you my operator code as my last name. I, I'm not allowed to give you my last name. And then, we, you know, we hit an impasse. Now, so far, we've taken up the time of the first uh, agent, the second agent, and uh, the third. Okay, And then we ask for the manager who's the, the highest-ranking manager. And ultimately, I got to uh, someone who would give me a first name and last name at UMB Financial. And I said, look, you don't understand when you when you don't tell us who you are and you ask us for, for financial information, uh, we don't feel comfortable and we don't want to do business with you. Mm -hmm. Do you know that the next uh, that was on a Friday? The next day, Monday, I called up um, to discuss the matter with them further. And do you know that every time I asked for uh, a person's last name, they gave it to me. I said, wow, that's amazing. So that meeting worked, huh? So you guys had a meeting? <laughs> and so you can, you can um, influence corporate policy, you know, just by standing your ground. And, you know, yelling and screaming doesn't work. I just use a, a calm, easy, even tone. However, I'm an immovable object, and I just don't let go. So that's, that's a strategy that works. And it works if you're in a cashier's line. You know, if you're at the Chinese factory outlet, you know, Walmart, and they say things like, I need to see your ID. You know, you swipe your card. They've just rung up all the items on the conveyor belt. Everything's bagged. You swipe your card, and they say ID. Wow. So you need to have an ID to buy food now? No, 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 no. We just want to make sure it's you. Really? You don't think it's me? No, I think it's you, but, you know, we just want to see. So you don't think it's me. No, we think it's you. So we don't have a problem, right? Well, actually, we need to see your ID. <laughs> so now what happens when you do that is the people behind you are getting annoyed. The cashier is getting frustrated. And the supervisor of the cashier is looking over, saying, uh, what's the holdup here? You know, people, the line's getting longer. People are frustrated. This guy's holding up commerce. What's going on? So <clears throat> then... We just keep gumming up the works. And we say, I tell you what, I can't do it. I can't show you an ID to buy food. Why don't you just uh, reverse the transaction? Because you don't think it's me. So they have a choice. They can undo everything and put all that stuff back. Or they can let the transaction go. And almost every time they say, you know what? You look like a nice guy. We're going to let this go this time. Well, I've been doing it so much that they don't ask for ID anymore. The other thing you can do is you can say, when they ask for ID, you can say, uh, oh, hold on, I'll be right back, <laughs> and then run out the door. <laughs> it's in the car. And then you come back. You remember Columbo? Remember that guy? Oh, absolutely. My okay, favorite. Well, that, that's Actually, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, That's my character. That, that's the character I play. So I will come back scratching my head, confused. You know, I thought it was in the car. It's not in the car. Now, I've just messed up everybody behind me, right? Because now what are they going to do all this stuff? The, the transaction is, is in, in process. It's not complete. And they have to do something with my stuff. And I'm gone for a while. And you know what? They always complete the transaction. They just don't, they just don't want you to think that you have any, uh, 
any Choice. leverage. And we do leverage. Have leverage. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're the customers. So I suggest to all of those paying attention today that uh, we take the attitude that we can say no. And when I hear things like, you know, it's it's our policy. Okay, well, I understand that. Well, here's my policy. I don't do that. I'll tell you a funny story about about Lowe's. I hate Are we allowed to say things like... <laughs> you can say after you can say anything you want, my friend. Well, okay. yeah, I know. you know, FCC compliance. So, right. <laughs> I used to uh, shop at Lowe's, the uh, the home uh, improvement store, and um, I went there one day to buy week after week after week. We we're building this house, and I had about two hundred plumbing fittings. They were all plastic PVC and CPVC, and it took a couple hours to find every little fitting that I needed, and. Uh, the cashier rang them up one after the next after the next, and it took a while. And she wanted to see my ID. And I said, wow, you need an ID to buy plumbing stuff now? Wow. I didn't know that. And so I said, tell you what. Um, she told me she couldn't uh, uh, proceed with the transaction without an ID. And I said, well, let's, let's get the manager. And we got the manager over there, and I said, look, I can't do it. I can't give you an ID. Do you think, do you think there's something wrong? Did it, did it ring up fraud? Did it ring up over limit? Did it ring up delinquent? Is there any problem with my card? No. We just need to see your ID. And eventually, I said, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> took a long time to find all this stuff. It's probably going to take about that long to put it all back. What would you like to do? I can't give you my ID. And the manager said, you know what? This time, you know, we'll let it go. We'll let you have it. We'll let you buy it. And if enough of us do that, they'll stop asking for ID. And guess what? Lowe's doesn't, well, Lowe's doesn't ask for ID anymore. But I had to do one more with them. I bought some paint from them. I bought uh, two five-gallon buckets of paint for the house. And uh, I had them mix it. The guy did a terrible job. And I said, look, I don't think this matches. He said, you're right, it doesn't match. So <clears throat> what we did was we said, look, we'll take the two gallons plus the two five-gallons, that's 12 gallons. And uh, we'd like to try a brush. I hate to have you waste all this paint just because it doesn't match. And it wasn't our fault. It was theirs. And so we uh, took the gallon, the, uh, the 12 gallons home, and we never we never tried it. But we thought, you know what, it doesn't, it's not even close. So we went back another day, and we found a different team there in the paint department. We asked them to mix paint. And uh, let's try one gallon. And they said they were really good at it. So these three girls worked on it for about an hour. And we came back uh, after our meeting to the store, and it was perfect. So I went to the cash register. Instead of $22 or $20 a gallon, it was 35 And $35 a gallon seems like a lot for to me for paint. But it was so good that in, in terms of matching that we, yeah, let's do it. So I swipe my card, and everything's good. And the cashier says, uh, ID. And I said, wow. <laughs> now, here's the problem with this transaction. Nobody, nobody wants that paint but me. Nobody, right? It's custom matched to our trim, our gutters and leaders, downspouts on our farmhouse. Nobody wants it but us. And I said, I can't do it. Do you know the manager at that time said, you know what? We can't, we can't sell it to you. If you don't give us your ID, we can't sell it to you. I said, are you kidding? Really? 
He said, really? I said, well, you know what? Uh, at home, I have another two gallons plus two tens, uh, two fives. That's 12 gallons. This is 13. You're going to get it all back. And everything else I can find that I bought from Lowe's that I don't need anymore. I'm going to bring it all back. He said, go ahead. Can you imagine that? Well, I think, I think something happened at that store. They had a regime change, and now they don't ask for ID anymore. Now, I don't think it's just because of me, but I think it's because enough of us said no. And that's the point. And there it is. See, folks, there it is. Everyone is looking for the huge solution out of Washington or wherever. But, you know, you've got that power. You listening to this broadcast, you listening to our terrific guest, Vincent Finelli, USAPrepares.com, you've got that power to change policy, to change practice, and make a difference. You can gum up the works, slow down this rapid onset toward wherever we're headed, the centralization of power. You've got that power to do it. And, 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 and Mr. Finelli's explaining to you exactly how. And, and it's humorous too. I, I can just yeah, so that manager was going to eat that paint. Basically, the store was. Here's what they do. Wow. If you ever go to their uh, the the paint department and you see all these weird colors, what they do is they will add some really strange colors to whatever they've mixed, so that you won't go back and buy the paint that you didn't uh, at a markdown price. So, for example, it was kind of a tan color that uh, we had uh, mixed, but they probably changed to a bright orange, and then they discount it. And the idea is they make it so that I won't go back and, and try to buy it at a, at a discount. That's their strategy. But they're willing to eat the paint, and I'm not willing to give them my ID. Now, if they said to me, in, if they had a sign in the paint department that said, you will have to produce a photo ID or a birth certificate or a social security card or a passport to buy paint, I wouldn't go there anyway. Okay, But when they surprise me at the last minute with ID and demand it, I won't do it. I absolutely refuse to do it. And, you know, they, they keep telling me the same thing. All the stores say the same thing. It's for your protection. I go, really? So preventing me from buying paint is for my protection? How is that for my protection? They go, well, what if somebody found your card? And I go, well, I don't care. You don't care? And I go, no. Why would I care? It has zero fraud liability. So I have no exposure for fraud. Now, I don't throw my cards around. I don't leave them in the parking lot. I don't leave them in the shopping cart. I'm careful with my cards. I've never had to uh, uh, call and say, you know, I lost my cards. I've never had that, that happen to me. So because I'm careful, I don't expect to have problems. But the last thing I expect is to be treated as if I am committing fraud. I'm not willing to. I'm not willing to be accused of that. And if the store wants my business, they have to treat me as a honest customer. Otherwise, I'm not interested in doing business with them. I don't go to Lowe's anymore, by the way. This segment brought to you by Home Depot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but but no, you know I, I understand that. And now I, I suppose Vince, an argument can be made. Well, what about let, let, let's say you're. What about a small business owner that's concerned about fraud, for example? You know, maybe you stole a credit card. But I guess that's a presumption of guilt though, that you referenced there, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. I, was, uh, I was at a Walmart, and I walked in, and I said, a lady looked at me because I looked confused and looked like I needed help. And I said, Josh, just kind of looking for the fertilizer. 
And she said, oh, we moved that. That's over outside or in that other area. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, I'll just go get it and bring it here. She said, no, no, no. Tell you what, I'll get it for you. How much do you want? And I said, I'd like 10 bags. It was uh, $7.70 a bag at the time. So she she went and got it, and I did the other shopping. And, and this was in the uh, lawn and garden area of Walmart. And the cashier is about 20 feet from the door at the most. So I... Uh, I thanked her. I gave her my credit card, swiped it. Everything was good. No ID was required. And I said, you know what? I think what I should do is bring my truck over here. Instead of pushing this thing across the parking lot, let me bring my truck right outside the door here. And, and is that okay? Sure. And I just moved the gondola over to the door to leave it there. And a woman ran up to me and said, I need to see your receipt. Now, it wasn't an ID she wanted. She wanted to see my receipt. And I said, No. And she said, I need to see your receipt. I said, absolutely not. This is my purchase. I walked in the door. I was on the camera from the minute I drove into the parking lot. The minute I walked in, I was still on camera. Uh, you have video of me at the cash register. You have video of me walking 20 feet to this door. And here I am. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show you my receipt. But if you want, I'll wait while you call the cops. And so she left. And then I went to get my truck, pulled it up to the door, and another woman ran up to me. And she said, I need to see your receipt. And I said, no, I'm not going to show you my receipt. I'm not going to show you what's in my pockets. I'm not going to show you what's in my truck. No. And she left. And while I was loading from the gondola into the truck, another woman, a, a third woman, ran up to me, huffing and puffing, out of breath, and she said, I need to see your receipt. I said, no. And she said, do you realize that someone just ran out this door with a TV? And I said, oh, was that me? And she said, no. <laughs> okay. All I right. said, no. I said, so w what's the problem? She said, I need to see a receipt. I said, no, but you can call the cops and I'll wait. And she said, uh, and she left. The bottom line is you can say no. So I say no lots of times. And it, and it works. It absolutely works. So, But when I go to Sam's Club, and I was there today. They wanted to see my receipt, and I will show them. And the difference is I'm a member of this club, and to be a member of this club, you have to agree to certain policies. And I've agreed to that. But I don't have an agreement with Walmart. I don't have an agreement with Lowe's. That's the difference. Interesting difference. Yeah. Hmm. And I'm not a criminal. Yeah. But the larger point, I think, that you're making, and I really believe this to be true. If more people took a stand and said no, especially to issues that are so blatantly obvious, or, or well, it doesn't even have to be obvious, but the more people who say no to certain things that are really infringing upon our our our, our rights and. When I say rights, maybe that's not the right word, but folks, you know what I mean. We can make a difference. We can make a difference. We can gum up the works enough by by those actions to change policy. And the thing that really bothers the other team is when we hold up commerce, when, when we delay uh, so that that cash register can't ring as fast or enough transactions or the, you know, uh, if we hold up transactions, that that really bothers them, and that really gets their attention, because they are interested in the bottom line. 
And I once, I once, uh, had a problem with an item I bought at Sears. And it was a craftsman item. And it had a one year warranty. It was a timing light for setting the ignition timing on a, on an old automobile. I used it one time. And, uh, oh, just after the warranty expired, I took it out of the box again, went to use it, and it didn't work. So this thing didn't have fingerprints on it. It was in perfect condition. Brought it back to Sears, and they said, it's out of warranty. I had the receipt and everything. The original box, the box was in perfect condition. Everything was in perfect condition, as new. Only used it once. And uh, the, the sales clerk said to me, well, it's out of warranty. I said, yeah, I know. And he said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 10% off the next one. I said, why would I want to buy another one? <laughs> this one didn't work very long. It only worked once. <clears throat> and so I asked for the manager, and the store manager came over. And I explained to him that I used to work for Sears. And that when I worked for Sears, Roebuck & Company, it was satisfaction guaranteed of your money back. He said, we're a different company. We're not the same company. We don't work for the customers. We work for the shareholders. We work for the shareholders. They don't work for the customers. We're just like there just in case they need a little revenue. Can you imagine that? So ultimately I said to the manager, the store manager, tell you what, you're going to make me do this. And I uh, looked at me and I said, look, satisfaction guaranteed your money back. I want my money back. And you know what? He said, how about if we give you a, a replacement? I said, okay. So they gave me a replacement. Bottom line is sometimes you have to do that. Now, Walmart used to say uh, satisfaction always, right? Or no, always. Satisfaction always, and it was just always. What does that mean? Well, it means sometimes. It doesn't mean always. So you have to stand your ground, you know, be polite, ask for the store manager, and when you start burning up his time, generally they they yield and they give in. And especially when, when people start watching and gather around and they're looking at, boy, this is, this is a bad thing because now we've got people watching a disgruntled customer. And if you don't lose your temper, uh, you usually win. So that's how I handled that. Interesting. You know, and, and again, I mean, the, the larger takeaway from this to me, the larger takeaway is we can make a difference, and and we're not talking about being unreasonable here. I I don't see any any situation where you know you're referencing where there's unreasonableness. It's it's actually sensibilities, you know, um, to, to me. Uh, so, so yeah, we we can make a difference, and we can actually. It's it's good stuff. I mean, it, when it's I, it's when I uh, talk to a bank. And it's like a credit card bank where they have this army of young people uh, manning and womening the phones. Um, and and they they demand things from me that I don't think are reasonable. I, I just very politely uh, tell them what I expect. And, you know, you, you, know, you can call. Like, let's say you have a, 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 a landline. And if you think that uh, you're paying too much, you can call that telephone company, and this could be a, a satellite uh, cable, comp- uh, satellite uh, TV company, or a cable company, and you can say, you know what, uh, I've been a customer of yours for a while, and uh, I'm thinking of disconnecting because it's getting too expensive, and I have to I have to watch my finances. Is there anything you can do to reduce the bill? Do you know that they'll drop that bill right then and there by ten dollars, right then and there? For a year, but generally, but you have to ask. All I have to do is ask. So yeah. for that five-minute phone call, you can save oh sixty dollars to one hundred and twenty dollars. 
You make another one, uh, you know, to another company, it's another 60 to 120 dollars. Because they, it's, it's hard to get customers. It costs, it costs the credit card companies about $45 to find a new customer. So if they lose you, they gotta spend another $45 to replace you. So they really don't want to lose you. So we hmm. do have leverage. And, and, you know, a lot of this is done, and to, to me, this is the way I look at it. A lot of what we see taking place in the marketplace, in the, yeah, well, in the marketplace is done to condition us. Uh, I mean, um, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to be conditioned. I mean, obviously, no one wants to be conditioned. No one, and, and, uh, yes, so, so, I mean, the, the ramifications of, of certain policies are much bigger than, I mean, we have to think bigger in my view. We have to understand what is, you know, we're, we're being groomed, conditioned, we're being, um, in some cases treated like cattle, well, at the airports. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're ostensibly for reasons of security, we're losing liberty. And so, so what you're describing to me and what I'm hearing you say is, look, we can change. And again, we can change. If we, we can change if, if we just do certain things. It might be inconvenient at the time, but just think if everyone exercised certain practices, like you're like you're talking about. Indeed, indeed. I, yeah. yeah. I was at a uh, at a convention, and uh, someone called the cops on me. So imagine this. So I just I'm attending the convention. I pay my ten dollars and I walk in and and I see a whole bunch of people I know, and it was a preparedness convention. It wasn't mine. It was uh, another one. And, and I'm talking to the vendors and having a great time. I happened to be talking to a guy who was running for a U.S. Congress seat. And uh, the cops showed up. There were three of them in front of me and one of them behind me. And uh, one of them had his left hand on his gun belt and his right hand ready to shoot me, ready to grab his pistol and shoot me. So I said, I said, hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> and uh, one of them said, are you uh, Vincent Finelli? And I said, yeah, yeah, what's up? Uh, step outside. I said, wow. Did I do something wrong? Please step outside. Did you see me do something wrong? Step outside. Or what? Or you're going to jail. So I'll tell you what. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'll step outside. Oh, I can eat my $10 back. So... <laughs> <laughs> One guy ready to shoot me from behind in case the first three in front of me miss. Okay, and I tell him I got to get my ten dollars back. And they waited. They literally <laughs> they waited for. Okay, that's yeah. good. Hmm. Yeah, and and I was with another guy. He happened to be a dentist. And uh, you know, the two of us are, are dressed kind of. Uh, uh, we, we didn't look like thugs. And so he said, "Wait a minute, I got to get my ten dollars back too because I drove you here." <laughs> so both okay. got ten dollars back. And then I said, "Wait a minute, hold it." Uh, would you take a picture of this? <laughs> and I handed him my, my phone at the time, and we have a picture of these cops uh, escorting me out. So, you know, even though the cops have just threatened to put me in jail for something that they couldn't describe to me what, what the reason was, and I still don't know, other than somebody called the cops on me and said, hey, Finelli's here, call the cops. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of. But even then, I'm delaying, I'm confused, 
I don't understand. I need a, a better explanation. Even then. So even when the cops, even when there's four of them, you can still do this. Now there is a risk. You might, you might get shot. But, you know, I, I am just not willing to be treated as a criminal. Just because, and that's another thing. You see, anybody can call the cops on anybody. And those, no, and those yes. blue flag will show up. Yep. They'll show up. I mean, all somebody has to say is, I think he's got a gun. And those guys come running. They're looking for a gunfight. They're looking for a human target. I mean, the news is full of people being shot and tased and handcuffed and thrown to the ground because someone said, called 911 and said, I think he's got a gun. I think he's got a gun. There's a guy who's sitting on a, he went to visit his friend, uh, in California. Uh, I believe Hayward, uh, Hayward, Hayward, California. So he goes to visit his friend. He's a little inebriated and he rings the doorbell and his friend's not there. So he sits on his front porch and he's got the garden hose in his hand sitting on the front porch. Guy across the street calls 911 says, I think there's a guy with a gun across the street. What kind of gun? Well, I think it's a small pistol or something like that. That's what he said. Small pistol. So the cops show up. They draw their weapons on this guy sitting on the front porch with the garden hose. And they say, drop your, drop, drop your weapon. He looks at him. So they shoot him. They shoot this guy with the garden hose. No, this is a true story, right? True story. Absolutely okay. true story. There's plenty of stories like that. One of our, one of the guys who's on the air with me, uh, his name is uh, Steve Engel, A-N-G-L-E, in uh, Hayes City, Kansas. It's uh, it's a little after midnight. Uh, doorbell rings. He looks out the door. He's got, you know, he's expecting this. It's not good. It's late at night. And so he's got his forty-five in his hand. He looks out the window. And it's the cops. So he transfers his forty-five to his left hand. Holds it by the muzzle, opens the door with the right hand. Cops see the gun, put a <laughs> pistol in his face, tell him to drop the gun. He stands there, so they beat him up right in his own doorway. And they say, "We got a nine one one call." He goes, uh, "No one here called nine one one. No one called nine one one. It's just me watching TV. Everybody else is asleep." So that, that's what they do. They say, nine one one, we have to respond. So they respond and beat him up in his own house. Then he spends the next three, well, he goes to the hospital because they really beat him up, threw him down, and uh, he spent the next three days in jail. Now he's facing an assault on two police officers with a deadly weapon. They came to his house. He opened the door. That's what he did wrong. He opened the door. There's a number of lessons to be learned by that, and, and I'll just say this, Vince. I, I have at my home every square inch of my property uh, video 24/7. But 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 having said that, I, I mean that would have that wouldn't have stopped a police officer from beating the you know tar out of me or obviously that gentleman there. Um, so you're not even safe in your own home. Now, now, okay, you would not have opened the door. I mean, what's what's the lesson from that, aside from don't open the door, or is that the lesson? Well, if you open the door, what what good can come from opening the door? Can it get any better? I don't think so. Mm. I think True. it's better if they stay outside. True. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, uh, my son, <clears throat> my son, uh, was, uh, my wife was, uh, visiting one of our children out of state. And my son was with me, and it was about 11.30 at night. 
And he ran upstairs and said, Dad, the cops are here. I said, oh, man. You know, I wasn't looking forward to a shootout that night. I really wasn't. And, uh, you know, for those who listen to me, they know I'm armed all the time. And, I'm, you know, I'm armed in the studio. I'm, I'm armed when I travel. And uh, so I thought, man, what's going on? So we, we looked in this, this, we have a driveway that's a third of a mile long. We live in the middle of nowhere, literally. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. And so this cop car comes in, does a cruise around our house, goes in the back behind our house, does a K-turn, and very slowly goes out. I called um, I called the uh, dispatcher, and I said, did you guys send a, uh, a, a patrol car over here? Nope. nope. Do you know where your, uh, where your deputies are? No, they're anywhere in the county. You, so they don't call in and tell you that they're going to the Finale's house? Nope, nope. They do their own thing. So really, what's your, what's your last name, Linda? Uh, I'm not going to give you my last name. Really? <laughs> Here we go. And I'm paying your salary, Linda. Okay. Um, so I I called, I thanked her, and I called uh, all the surrounding counties, and I wanted to know why the cops and who they were and why they were at my house. And no one, uh, they all said, no, it wasn't us. So when I talked to the uh, the state police, I said, would you call our county and find out what was going on and if they came? And would you call me back, please? So the dispatcher from the state police said, look, we have a screen. I know where all our cars are. They're on GPS. We, I can see them all. Nobody was at your house. Okay. So she called the, our county, the dispatcher, and then she called me back. Uh, the state police dispatcher called me back and said, yeah, it was your county. I talked to the dispatcher. Okay, thanks. So I called Linda back, and I said, Linda, you lied to me. You breached the public trust, and I'm going to do everything I can to get you fired. So... I was on the air on Monday morning. That was a Friday. On Monday morning, uh, I, during a bottom of the hour, my, you don't have any breaks here. But <laughs> uh, sorry about I that. I got a lot of work done during the breaks. I called the sheriff's office, and the uh, sheriff came on. I said, "Vincent, you know, uh, there are people who really want us to uh, to uh, patrol their property." Is it not me? Not me. Do not come on my property. Do not trespass. Do not come on my property. So I told the sheriff, "No." So what I'm saying is, you can say. No, to all kinds of people. Sure, sure you can. It, but but we we've, we've been conditioned not to. We you know, and some some might say, well, you know, we respect authority. Well, well, wait a minute, you know. Uh, well, let I'll let you respond to that. I think you have to you have to earn respect. I don't okay. I don't you know, uh, respect is earned in in in, uh, in my book, and just because. Just because someone's a politician, for example, doesn't mean I respect them. I mean, I probably start out not respecting them, and well, I do. <laughs> but I don't. Um, I don't automatically uh, respect someone. I, they have to earn it somehow, either by reputation or by recommendation or you know firsthand experience or something like that. It's a different world that we live in now, especially. I mean, it's it, it really is. I mean, one of the things one of the things that we say on the air is that we don't take direction very well, and we don't. I can um, see that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I consider uh, some laws just you know recommendations. Uh, for example, I would think nothing of getting on a a four wheeler or a dirt bike and riding down the road uh, in front of our farm to check the cows. I just hop on, you know, jump on the Kickstarter, start it up, and uh, go down the go down the road. Now, in some places, that would be quite frowned upon. Um, 
I, I walk around with a gun on my hip, a forty-five. I was uh, I walked into open carry, right? Open carry. Well, yeah, I have a concealed carry permit, which I I don't need, but uh, yeah, open carry. I just, and I don't even have a holster. I just take the forty-five and stuff it between my shirt and my inside of my pants. Okay. And, you, and the butt the butt hangs out. It, it it fits better that way than a holster. So I just swear it like that. I'm on the tractor with it. I you know I walk around town. I go shopping with it. I go into the Chinese factory outlet with it. And very rarely do I have any anybody say, "What are you doing with the gun?" Very rarely. And when when I do encounter, it's only happened three times. Um, I'll explain it. It's it's my duty, not my right. It's my duty. It's my duty to protect me as the head of the household. It's my duty to protect my wife and family. And if I'm in a situation, in a store, for example, and there's a and something bad happens, I think it's my duty to stop that as well. Now, why yeah. is it that we think that the police um, can carry guns and we can't? Why is that? We have given them the authority to do that. We have given it to them. So, I think that if if uh, well, here's a bill uh, that I suggested to the Missouri uh, government that we, the villagers, uh, shall have the right to have any weapon that the government has. Just one sentence. And and I was challenged by that. Uh, one of the, the guys who reviews the constitutional uh, constitutionality of the language of bills said, well, first of all, it's too short. It'll never pass. Okay. It is... <laughs> <laughs> he said, "So you want you want a bazooka?" And I said, well, "I don't know if I want one, but if I do want one, uh, I want the right to have one." And he said, "And a drone?" And I said, "Well, yeah. And a tank? Yeah, yeah. If if uh, if you guys have them, you know, why can't I? Why shouldn't I be able to have one?" And he he was he was shocked by that. And then there's another bill that I. Um, well, I mean, Vince, obviously they, they have no clue what the Second Amendment stands for then. I mean, right. your news or, or what it's for. Arguing about, you know, today's weaponry, they didn't, how they, was not intended in the Constitution that <clears throat> the citizen should have access to weaponry the military does. Right. I, I mean, they, they want us to have muskets and, you know, right. muzzles or whatever while they have, uh, you know, the automatic weapons, but Again, the Second Amendment. What is it? What's it for? It's uh, it's not for hunting or fishing or, or, or not fishing or whatever. Uh, that's the way I'd fish. But anyway, <laughs> I don't have the pa- I don't have the patience to fish, so I just shoot the things. Anyway, um, no, I mean it's so yeah. The understanding there is uh, so we we are able to fight tyranny. Go ahead, sir. So continue. Well, another another uh, bill that I propose become law is that. Uh, no government employee shall be immune from prosecution. Oh. Simple as that. Uh, another one is, um, you know, they talk about campaign finance limitations. Another one there, and that is uh, the maximum contribution to any political candidate shall be $5. And, <laughs> and a woman, a woman who is... Let's uh, pass that one real quick. Well, a woman who is uh, presenting a bill said... Uh, $2,600. And I said, no, $5. She said, and I said, by the way, why is, why is your petition eight pages long? She said, well, it, was, it, it, it eliminates loopholes. And I said, show me where the loophole is with a maximum campaign contribution 
uh, to a candidate uh, of five dollars. Where is a loophole? There is no loophole. She said, yeah, but they can't do much with five dollars. And I said, precisely. That's the point. They can't do much with five dollars. So the, the prices for the rest of us when we want to buy radio advertising or television advertising, uh, won't be, uh, nine hundred and fifty dollars for thirty seconds in a local market. It'll be affordable. Because during election season, what happens is, like, I used to buy ads for uh, the Get Prepared Expo on television, big television station in Springfield, Missouri. It was $950 for 30 seconds. They said, okay, now you, if you pay you know, 90 days in advance, we'll, we'll hold it for you. But because this is election season, if a candidate wants to bump you and they're willing to pay more, then they get it, unless you're willing to pay more. I said, what? So I lock in for, for these commercials, and these politicians can bump me? Because they're willing to pay more than we've agreed right now that I, that I should pay, and the answer is yeah. It's outrageous. Wow. And, Whatever happened to contractual, you know, right. contract law? I guess. I guess. But you, you have people say, "Well, Vince, that's capitalism," because you know, it's greed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We expect nothing less from 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 those in in office, but 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 so simplistic in, in the I mean, common sense factor is just yeah, and, and <laughs> I see those responses. It's amazing. I I do like the the simplistic nature. I mean, you know, one sentence. Uh, my goodness, when when we understand that some of the best, you know, speeches and addresses have been two three hundred words long. You know, compared to the legislation we see now, or the speeches we see now, it's just like the Ten Commandments. Um, yeah, you know, they say that the Constitution was based on you know, God, the, the rights bestowed on us by God. Yet the Ten Commandments, very short. They could not do that. You know, they have to make these hundred-page bills, thousand-page bills. Yeah, I mean, I mean we, can pass, we, we can pass them to read what's in the bill. Well, yeah, if they allow us to read it, it's, but, but seriously, if, if the government was going to write the Ten Commandments, it would be, you know, it would be uh, probably a thousand pages long. Vince, we're about nine minutes before the top of the hour. I got to ask you a question because, sure. folks, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. We were talking off air, I think, um, about. I don't want to give away the the, the punchline, so to speak. But we were talking about cash money and counterfeit. You remember that that story that you were sharing with me about? Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, my son, my son wanted uh, a uh, toaster oven, and uh, so I, I got on the internet. And this is one of those countertop things. I'm I'm looking for a toaster oven. I'm looking at the hinges on the door. You know, the front door. It's glass, and they're all cheesy. Every single one. I don't care where, what the label said. They're all made in China, and they're really flimsy and cheesy. And I'm thinking, boy, this is just a great way to start the counter on fire with these cheesy uh, pieces of Chinese uh, appliances, if you will. So I couldn't find one, and I got this this credit card in the mail from J.C. Penney, and in it it said, uh, if you if you use this card. We will give you 50% off selected small appliances. So I looked on the internet and they had one for $100 and with that 50% off it was $50 and that's about what it should cost at the most. <coughs> so Mrs. Finelli and I went into <clears throat> JCPenney or JCPenney and, uh, there, it was Christmas time. 
and we're looking around and so I, I find this this stack of uh, toaster ovens and I said to the the woman behind uh, the counter I said I'd like to buy this would that be okay and she said sure so I'd like to look and see if there's anything else first and and uh, I'll be back and she said okay so I walked around the store there was nothing that I was interested in so I uh, I waited in line and the line was pretty long and there were two cashiers side by side you know taking uh, taking these transactions uh, through completion and uh, so I gave her my card or I swiped my card and everything's good and then she says ID I said wow you need to have an ID to buy toaster ovens now I mean the same story over and over it's everywhere I go or at least at that time and she said well yeah so you don't think it's me no I think it's you and went, went through that whole thing now the line's getting longer because it, it's I'm not saying things as fast as I probably could and I'm confused with each with each sentence <laughs> And so people are starting to fork the lines, and now the line is kind of split, and people are trying to figure out what the holdup is. Well, it's me and Mrs. Finelli, and Mrs. Finelli's kind of watching. And I said, I'll tell you what, I can't do it. I can't give you an ID for this. Can you reverse the transaction? So she reverses the transaction. And I said, you know what, I really need this darn thing. Uh, tell you what, if I have a $100 bill in my wallet, will you accept that? And she said, well, sure, you know, as long as it's not counterfeit. And I'm going to have to check it. And I said, well, okay, okay, you can do that. Now, this, this woman is a, mm, about my age, you know, she's like 60-something. And I said, okay. Um, but if, and she said, and, and if it's counterfeit, I'm going to call a manager. And I said, well, that's fine, you can do that. But if you think it's counterfeit, you can't keep it. It's mine. And if you try to keep it, I'm going to jump over this counter and take it back. She looked at me like, what? <laughs> because she, she wouldn't accept it for the transaction. She would just want to keep it. Well, it's mine. Just because she thinks it's counterfeit doesn't mean it is counterfeit. That's her opinion, right? So I'm not going to give her a $100 bill, let her keep it and tell me it's counterfeit and then you know have no uh, transaction um, with that. So she said, I'm going to test this and see if uh, if it's real. And I said, well, that's good. That's good. I think it is. And so she takes out this pen and she marks through the through the the hundred dollar bill and she says, uh, "It's real." That's what I thought it was. So she um, proceeds with the transaction and she starts handing me the the uh, the change. And I said, "Hold it, hold it, hold it." Um, how do I know that's real? <laughs> and she said, "You don't think that's real?" And I said, "Well, I don't know where you got that." And I don't want to be in possession of counterfeit currency. It's illegal. So she said, you want me to check it? I said, absolutely. Absolutely. So she she checks the first 20, holds it up. Yep. Now, the line's really long now because this is taking quite a while, and, and, and I'm very slow at understanding. And then she checks the second one. She said, you want me to check the ones, too? I said, well, yeah. Yeah, because I don't know where you got those. So you know what? The lesson was that... Just because they hand you back currency doesn't mean they're not handing you back counterfeit currency. Because we don't know where they got it. So we assume that they're right and they assume we're wrong. Right? Isn't that the way it goes? Yeah. That's right. And there's another story. There's another story that relates to that very quickly. I bought some brake shoes. Uh, I was out of out of state and I was going to help someone uh, change their brake. Your, your uh, Nikes brake. wear out or what? No, no, oh, no, no. For an automobile. 
for an automobile. Yeah, I know. I, I and, know. and so I bought them and I said, you know, if, if I don't need them, can I bring them back tomorrow? The guy said, sure. So they typed in my phone number and I was out of state, a thousand miles away. And, and, uh, my account came up, uh, as in Missouri with that, with that same chain store and everything was good. And I didn't use them and I brought them back the next day unopened, didn't even open the box. And I said, I thought I might need these, but I didn't. May I return them? Sure. The guy opens the box and looks at every single component. And I said, is it all there? He said, yep, it's all here. And I said, well, great. I kind of thought it would be. And he said, I said, so do you guys have problems with uh, people returning things that, you know, he said, you wouldn't believe it. People will put used parts back in the new box and return them and say they never used them. I said, wow, it's unbelievable. Here's the lesson there. So I'm thinking that I'm getting a box of brand new parts, right? That may not be the case. Now, what would have happened if they were used brakes in there? I didn't open them, brought them back the next day and said, you know what? I don't need these. And the guy opens the box and says, hey, these are used. Wow. Well, I didn't do that. Would he believe me? I don't think so. So what we need to do, it needs to, we need, it's incumbent upon us to check to make sure that we are getting what we pay for at the transaction point. Okay? We need to look inside the box and make sure it's all there. Because I don't think they're going to believe us if we return something and we say it's not all there. They'll say, well, you took that part out. No, I didn't. Well, it's not there, so we can't, we can't give you a, a refund because it's not complete. There's a so, lot to be said about that, yeah. A absolutely. lot of lessons here. And, and you know, Vince, and I want folks to, to, to think about which everything you said here because the common sense principles multi, but, but multiple angles look at it from multiple angles and think about what Vince said because you know again the takeaway here at least in my view folks you know this is not being a smart ass this is and, and pardon my language this is not being anything more than having the power to, to say no you know fighting back and saying look uh, you, you, you know, well, I think you said it best, Vince. You know, earlier, I think you said it best when we have the power. We 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 do. We we've got the power. Hmm. Folks, Stay with we're us. at the top of the hour. We're going to be right back with Vince Finelli. <clears throat> Staying with us through hour through hour three. What a wonderful. In hour three, by the way, his concerns about, well, what he's concerned about in teaching preparedness at home. And he's got some really interesting, well, Max's Law. We're going to learn about that. And many Max regret. Stay with us. This is the Global Star Radio Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to this segment of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Our special guest tonight, Mr. Vince Finelli, USAPrepares.com. Have you heard of it? USAPrepares.com. Folks, go to that website. Bookmark his website. Also, you know, he, he's such social networking. Uh, go down to the Facebook. He's got a Facebook link there. Um, 
support his Facebook. Just leave a comment on his Facebook page and, and tell him you heard him on the Hagman and the Hagman Report. Very interesting. And, and you know, he, uh, uh, Mr. Finelli is, is really, you talk about an expert in preparation. He, um, I just, I, I just, I'm, I'm trying to envision this in my head. Um, imagine this. You're working, you've got, Imagine the fact that you have a master's degree in finance and economics, and you are working as a financial analyst or or a computer systems designer, and, and you say, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm done with working for other people. You leave the the so-called security of your job. This is the big corporation. Well, as Vince Minnelli says there's actually there's no security in large corporations and he's absolutely right so but i said all of that just as a matter of introduction and to let you know that uh, usaprepares.com of course that's on our recommended reading website he's got a lot of good information there he's got meetups uh he teaches a lot and speaking of teaching one of the things that i asked i'm going to ask him now to address is basically implementing and teaching preparedness at home because a lot of people are looking to do just that so what's step one or what's preparedness and implementing and teaching preparedness at home 101 what does that involve it's <laughs> uh doug it's it's a lifestyle it's it's um it's something that involves the whole family let, let me give an example Many years ago, when our children were young, um, our oldest was um, beginning to learn how to drive, to operate uh, a motor vehicle. And all of her friends had cars. Their parents bought them cars, and they're nice-looking, racy-looking little cars. And uh, we let our daughter use one of our vehicles, and it was a uh, Chevrolet S10 Blazer. And it was a V6, and it had four doors. And a, uh, and a and a trailer hitch, and it was you know useful uh, at, on the farm. And at that time, I had jumped off the corporate ladder, and we became farmers, first generation farmers. And what I did was, I thought, you know, there ought to be some kind of an agreement here, and there ought to be some responsibility. So I drew up a, a contract with our daughter, and I said, um, in order to use the vehicle, <laughs> you'll have to do okay. certain things. And, and this is part of that preparedness lifestyle. So here are some of the things that you'll have to do. Like, number one, before you enter the vehicle to travel someplace, uh, you'll have to walk around the vehicle and look at all the tires. And by by experience, you'll get to know what uh, what they should look like with the proper inflation pressure. Okay, So you won't be leaving with a tire that's going flat because you will have looked at it. You will have looked in the car or in the truck to make sure that no one is in there already uh, ready to kidnap you. So you're going to look in the windows, you're going to walk all the way around it before you get in, and then you can get in. The next thing is when maintenance is needed on this vehicle, um, you'll have to do it. So oil changes, tune-ups, changing spark plugs, uh, changing air cleaners, uh Inflating the tires, rotating the tires. If it needs a uh, brake, uh, brake shoes or brake pads, 
uh, you'll get to do that. I'll be with you. I'll be right next to you, uh, instructing you and showing you. But you're going to be turning the wrenches and, and uh, the screwdrivers and all those things that are necessary and the ratchets, um, and you'll be getting dirty. Uh, but that's what happens, and, and that's how you can learn how this vehicle works. You'll learn what the brakes are, how they operate, and when you step on that brake pedal, you'll know why the vehicle is slowing down. You'll know the normal sounds of the engine. Oh, by the way, another item on this contract is the radio will be in the off position while operating the motor vehicle. Cell phones will be off and in the back seat, and there'll be no passengers in the vehicle other than family members. So if you are going to be operating the vehicle, you can have family in the vehicle, but no friends. And the reason is that um, so many young people, probably very close to 100% of them, have had accidents, crashes, wrecks by age 19. And I didn't want that to happen to to, uh, our children. You know, they're the stories of the young people who uh, go out and they're having fun and they hang out the, out the windows and, um, you know, right down the road from us, uh, when we lived in Virginia, uh, some young people were doing donuts and, uh, one child was hanging out the window and, uh, in a parking lot of a, of a supermarket and the car got uh, really close to a light pole and the young person's head uh, came off. Literally. So, you know, you, you've heard these stories and, uh, we know they're true. And there's so many wrecks that we didn't want that to happen. So, no radio on, no cell phone, no texting while we're driving, you know, that kind of thing. And, right. uh, and those accidents happen with young people who are not related in the family, uh, hanging out in that vehicle, you know, going for a drive. Another thing, uh, that we did was we taught our children how to drive in dangerous conditions. Now, what would that be? Uh, pouring rain, ice, snow. So I would take them uh, out to our field when it was a sheet of ice, and I would teach them how I would uh, start and say, okay, we're going to go into a skid. We're going to uh, spin the car around. We'll do a couple 360s. I'm going to show you how we go into it, and I'm going to show you how we pull out of it. And so the first time that they went into uh, a skid or spun around, they were able to react and pull out of it without panicking. And it was not a real situation. It was just a learning situation. And when I was growing up, I did that. I learned how to do that in large parking lots, like supermarket parking lots. But you know what? You probably get arrested doing that today. So I'm not going to recommend that we go to locations that, like supermarkets, but that's what I did. And uh, so we replaced the super, supermarket with uh, with our farm, which is just another reason to, to uh, buy a farm. And you can do a lot of things with a farm that you just can't do um, in other locations where there are lots of people. And when we went shopping, let's say we went food shopping, that was a learning experience. Uh, we took our children out of the government training camp and we homeschooled them. And so everything we did was a, was a learning experience. Uh, what was on the shelves was a learning experience. The the different uh, comparable items was a learning experience. The cost per ounce, the cost per inch, the cost per yard, whatever it was, was a learning experience. And the children would calculate which was the best value, which was the lowest price, which was the highest price, and why. Why was one one was a higher price than another? And so now, now that they're adults, 
they use that information uh, when they go shopping, and they have ever since that we we taught them. And they, would I know, them, I know, adults that need this uh, right now, this remedial course on this. And, and folks, please pay attention to this because you know we we had fun the first hour with with Vince, but and there are some lessons to be learned there. But but please pay attention to this because even today, and especially today, as we are, as our dollar is losing money, as the, or you know as we're uh, well, it, you know the financial condition of the country. This is important stuff. So you might think, well, I know this. Well, well hold on. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. When, when I buy things, um, I look for value. And I won't buy anything on, uh, anything on impulse unless I absolutely positively have thought it through. So those, those uh, items that you see at the checkout uh, line that are overpriced, I don't buy those. And I buy almost everything used. Now, I have a, a studio. I'm, I'm with you tonight uh, in my studio. The, the desk that I have is used. The, the, the monitors, the five monitors in front of me are used. The computers, the keyboards, the mice, the power switches, the, um, the microphone, the microphone and the microphone mixer and the microphone stand and the stereo equipment and the little speakers, the JBL speakers, it's all used. The phone system is used. And why is that? The reason is I think it's better for me to have someone else pay the sales tax, the depreciation, you know, when it was new, and um, the transaction fees. Mm -hmm. And I also like the bugs to be worked out. You know, when I was in the computer industry, we had... There was a term called leading edge technology, leading with an L. And then there was bleeding edge technology with a B. Well, bleeding edge technology had lots of bugs in it. So I didn't want to be involved in selling customers bleeding edge technology because it was, it was really uh, fraught with problems. So I like to let the, the early adopters um, pay the highest prices, pay the sales tax, pay the transaction fees, and, uh, and help figure out the problems. Then I can buy it used at... Um, well, not not necessarily pennies on the dollar, but but at a lower percentage uh, than than uh, full price. So used is something that I do, um, and you know that. How many people do you know that were early adopters on these front load washing machines that leaked all over the floor? Oh my goodness! Yes. So why would anybody do that? You know, uh, <laughs> why? Seriously. Why, what, what was wrong? What was wrong with the top load? I don't know. I really don't know what's wrong with the top load. And we still have the top load. And, um, you know, and there's a, a timing issue as well. So, for example, as part of this implementing and teaching preparedness at home, if you buy things used, you're going to save money and you can probably buy more of them or more, uh, more items or a greater quantity if you don't pay full price. So let's talk about buying a used car. Uh, or used truck. I bought a 2004 Chevy pickup truck with uh, 200,000 miles on it. Now, some people might say, 200,000 miles, it's worn out. Well, this one wasn't. Uh, this one, uh, mostly highway miles, very well maintained, and I paid $3,000 for it. I was delighted to get it. It's about half of what it should be as a used 2004 pickup truck. Right. So, I bought it when no one else was looking. No one else, well, it was cold. People didn't, didn't want to buy it 
because it was cold. They didn't want to go out. Well, the best time to buy a used car is in February, in my opinion. And here's why. And it's, this applies to lots of things. Um, if you if you are buying a an expensive item that's normally outdoors, people don't want to go out when it's cold. And in February, that is a month after they've already spent all their money for Christmas. So they spend their money for Christmas. They're now broke. Not much has happened in January because it's cold. It's and uh, people are broke. And then now we're into February, and the car dealers and people selling are saying, "Man, there's nothing happening. There aren't any customers." So if I'm there with cash, I am a customer, and I can get it for a lower price because no one else is looking. Give you an example of that. Um, I bought on Saturday a bulldozer. Actually, it's called a track loader, and this thing weighs about twenty-five thousand pounds. It's a big machine. It's a it's a bulldozer with a big bucket. So think of it like I can actually do scooping of gravel and dirt and push dirt around and level, and I can do lots of neat things with this thing. It's um, new. If I wanted to buy one, probably one hundred and fifty or two hundred thousand dollars. I bought a hmm. used one for three thousand five hundred. Why? Because I was there. The guy wanted to sell it quickly. I didn't. I didn't negotiate it down. I asked him how much he wanted for it, and he said $3,500. I said, okay, I'd like to buy it. Would that be okay? And he said, sure, it's okay. I've got to find someone to get this thing hauled for me because it's a 180-mile or 200-mile trip, and I can't haul it. it it's 25,000 pounds. And so I, I said, I'll need a couple of days or maybe a week to find somebody to haul it, but I will buy it. And sure enough, I found somebody. I paid him to haul it, and I have the bulldozer. So... I save a lot of money by buying at the right time. And you can do the same thing with fuel. And we can talk about what you would use fuel for. But, for example, I try to buy things when no one else wants them. And one of the things that we use here at the farm is diesel fuel. And diesel fuel comes in two colors. One is red and the other is green. And the red fuel is the non-taxed farm fuel. It is not supposed to be used on the road. The green is exactly the same thing, but instead of red dye, it has green dye. Literally, that's the difference. So the green dyed diesel fuel is used on the road, and it has the the on-the-road tax. So it's about 37.5 cents more expensive than the red. But they both do the same thing, and they're identical except for the color, literally. Well, when do people buy fuel? Well, in the East Coast, they heat their houses. A lot of people heat their houses with fuel oil, which is diesel. And it's in demand in the wintertime because it's cold. Well, I don't buy diesel fuel in the winter. I buy diesel fuel in the summer when it's really hot and no one's heating with it. And that's when the price drops. So you can time your purchases based on when other people are buying. You can buy, uh, for example... I buy my clothes. I, I mostly wear long sleeve shirts. I have a few short sleeve shirts that I wear when it's really, really hot. But to protect my skin from the sun, I'll wear long sleeve shirts even when I'm farming. And when do people um, want short sleeve shirts? Well, they want them in the summer. So I buy them in the winter. And I buy the long sleeve shirts in the summer because people don't want them then. And that's when they're the least expensive. So all I have to do is plan. 
And that's what, that's what preparedness is all about. It's having what you need before you need it. Like, when you open the refrigerator, how many people open the refrigerator and go, geez, um, there's nothing to eat? Well, that's because they didn't plan and they didn't buy what they wanted to eat before. It's a lack of planning. So, preparedness is simply having what you need before you need it. And you don't have to buy it 20 minutes before you need it. You can buy it when it's at the lowest price. And that's what we do. When, when food is on sale, for example, diced tomatoes and chilies. I went to a store and it was 39 cents a can. I thought, you know, that's pretty neat. Um, can I get 10 cases? So I bought 10 cases of diced tomatoes and chilies. How long will they last? Easily two years. Probably three. If you keep it cool and keep the temperature constant, it'll probably keep three years. So right now, can I buy diced tomatoes and chilies for 39 cents a can? No. It's 89 now or 99. Right. So that's, that's what we do. Um, you know, but, but the, the, the key there, I just want to just reaffirm this. We have to change our thinking. A, a lot of us, really, who, when we talk about preparation, we have to change our thinking. And what you said, and I just want to go back and, and just reiterate a few things. When we, when we were building our studio, that was one of the things, and I'm so glad you brought this up because many people will say, well, you know, we have to go to B&H, for example, and buy the, we have to buy something new. No. You know, you go out and you look for used equipment in good shape. Um, because you know, I mean, you don't have to have new equipment in case, in the cases of a computer, you know, the, the, the leading versus bleeding technology, the bugs being worked out, that kind of thing. Um, we have to change our thinking. We don't have to have the newest or, or new at all. We, you know what I mean? So uh, I just, you know, kids today, kids today have this mindset. They've got to buy everything new. And, and that's not the case, and especially when you're prepping on a budget or just prepping, or it's just good financial sense anyway. So I just want to reiterate that. You know, n- now's the time probably to talk about Max's Law. Oh, and yes. And Max's Law is very, very simple. It's buy the best, pay cash, and take delivery. And to observe Max's Law, you have to do all three of those things. You have to buy the best, pay cash, and take delivery. And, and the reason, the reason that you... Um, take delivery is if you don't take delivery if you don't have possession of it in my opinion you don't own it you don't own it Um, if you pay cash you settle the account right then and there it's done and if you buy the best you're going to be happy with it now I'm not talking about buying a Rolls Royce or a Lamborghini but what I am saying is quality you don't regret buying good quality you regret sometimes actually often, buying poor quality. And one of the things that's happening with young people is they believe that if their phone is over a year old, that's over, it's old, it's, it's, a, it's over a year old. Uh, to me, um, an, an appliance ought to last a long time. If, if we had a, ref- our refrigerator's 10 years old, and if it failed, I'd be furious because it only lasted 10 years. I expect that darn thing to last 30 years. And that's my expectation. So Max's law, buy the best, pay cash, and take delivery. Let me give an example of me failing to to observe Max's law. And I teach, whenever I teach a class, uh, whether it be um, at the high school level or above, I, I always teach the class Max's law. 
and and here's an example. So I bought this farm in Virginia, and the farm had uh, hay fields. And the neighbor across the road had been cutting the hay for years. And the deal he had with the previous owner was he would um, he would cut the hay. The owner of the of the farm would take half, and he'd get half for his labor. Well, when I bought the farm, I said I went to him and I said, oh, "You've been doing hay, and I'd like to continue that if that's okay. But I'd like you to get three quarters of it because I only need one quarter of it." So it was even a better deal for him with me as a new owner. He said, sure. So we cut the hay, and I said, okay, great. I'll be back in a couple weeks and get the hay. He said, sure, okay. Well, I went back in a couple weeks, and the hay was gone. There was a drought, and he sold all the hay. And I said, where's my hay? He said, I sold it. And I spent the money. So he, he stole my hay, sold it, and spent the money. <laughs> now, what, the Max's Law, where I failed to observe Max's law is I failed to take delivery. So as that very simple example about Max's law, buy the best, pay cash, take delivery, is absolutely critical. So let's say I bought that bulldozer and I, I sent the guy the check and I said, okay, um, here's the check for the bulldozer. I'm happy with it. I'll come back in a, in a month and pick it up. And then the batteries are stolen. Uh, someone smashes part of it and now it won't operate. Uh, I should have taken delivery, so that wouldn't happen. So that's really hmm. critical. There's another. There's another rule we probably ought to talk about, and that's my uncle Mike's rule. And my uncle Mike would say, "You can, when you buy something and you pay for it, how do you know if you paid too much? It's, it's simple. If he would say." If you can't immediately sell it for what you just paid for it, you probably paid too much. Doesn't that make sense? Perfectly. I think it's absolutely. So when you're wondering, and so, so many of us, you know, wonder, is this the right price? Just ask yourself that simple question. Could I sell it right now and get, get the same amount that I paid for it? At least that much? And if the answer is yes, then you probably paid the right price. If you can't, you pay too much. It's just that simple. It, it, it really is. Yeah. But, but how many? Yeah, absolutely. I just want to just remind people. You know, at least in 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 my family, we've got to kind of keep these constant reminders out there because it's easy to fall into that old way of thinking and especially now with uh, you know with hard times here and coming worse so we need to follow this kind of uh, procedure go go ahead and uh, continue because okay there's there's good. another thing that that I a concept I teach all of uh, the students that I have informal uh, formal settings. If I'm if I'm traveling, uh, teaching at a survival seminar or a uh, an expo or something, I, I teach something called mini max regret. Mini m i n i hyphen max m a x hyphen regret r e g r e t. It's a financial concept. So let's say, and I learned this uh, when I was studying uh, finance and economics. So let's say you want to buy uh, a stock, and you go uh um, should I buy the stock? Well, what's my maximum regret going to be if I buy the stock? Well, it would go to zero. Well, okay, if you think the stock is going to go to zero and that's your maximum regret, don't buy the stock. Now, here's how it applies in real life for most of us. 
So we're driving or traveling down the road, and we're in our vehicle, and the family's with us. We're on the highway, or we're on the interstate. And there's a guy in front of us with a pickup truck. And he has a ladder hanging out the back, you know, uh, an extension ladder. It's hanging out three feet. It's got a flag on it. Everything's fine. And you look out your windshield, and you say, wow, what's my maximum regret? Well, my maximum regret at that point would be that that ladder would be blown out of the truck, dislodged, and come flying through my windshield. So what do we do to minimize that maximum regret? Well, it's easy. You get off the gas pedal and you, you know, slowly decelerate and, uh, you get to a safe distance where you can stop without uh, someone slamming into the rear view if this ladder goes flying out the back of the truck. Uh, and then, or maybe get in front of them, you know, pass them at a safe, at a safe point. So we can go through life looking at things as what would our maximum regret be if this happened, whatever it is. And, Prevent it. Prevent it. So if, if you get in your vehicle and it's cold and it's snowing and your maximum regret is you're going to get stuck, get out of the vehicle and don't travel. Okay? Or if you think that you might run out of gas and it would be a bad thing to run out of gas, then make sure you have enough gas. Or fill the tank up on the way home from work so that you have enough gas the next day. You know, those kinds of things. What would your maximum regret be and prevent it from happening? And that is just a concept that we apply in preparedness. If you don't want to be thirsty and you're traveling, make sure you bring some water with you or something to drink. And if you're, that's what we do. We have in our, in our vehicles, we have food, uh, that can withstand heat. We have, uh, things to drink. We have things to protect ourselves. We have blankets. We have sunglasses. Um, we have lot, we have knives. I carry a knife with me all the time. There was a traffic accident and uh, I was side by side with one of our instructors and uh, we were at a, a traffic light side by side and coming, it was very dark and it was foggy and we heard this loud thud. And a guy was coming the opposite direction and crashed into a light stanchion uh, between the uh, the two two lanes coming and two lanes going. In the middle was this concrete light stanchion. He crashed into it. His uh, airbag deployed. His vehicle was on fire. We could hardly see it because it was dark and foggy. And uh, it was our knives that were used to cut the seatbelt when we bashed the windows in and got this guy pulled out of his vehicle. He would have burned to death. Uh, I carry a knife with me at all times. And and here's something that will probably get us in trouble. When our son was homeschooled and he decided he wanted to try high school, so he, as a freshman, he tried high school for the very first time. That was his first um, government training center experience. And I said to him, um, you're going to have to have a knife with you. He said, Dad, um, knives aren't allowed. And I said, well, that's their rule, right? My rule is you will. <laughs> Man, okay. Yeah, I said you will. Now, and you can't, but if you pull it out and you flash it, uh, you'll get in trouble. So how you handle that is up to you, but you will have a knife because you may be in that situation where you have to cut a seatbelt. And it's not, it's not for fighting. It's for your survival. And I use a knife every day. I have, uh, it's a, about 
little less than $20. It's a Gerber. It's a three and a quarter inch, I believe, lock blade skeleton knife. They are available at the Chinese factory outlet. You don't have to buy a $200 knife. This thing is great. It stays sharp. I use it every day in farming. Every day. Works great. So, uh, and you know what? He went through high school and he went through college and he carried his knife all the time with him. And you know what? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nobody, nobody, uh, uh, suspended him for having a knife. And the knife didn't jump out of his pocket and stab anybody. So, no. And, and it's a tool. It's a, it's a, you know, what, what if he had a screwdriver in his pocket? Would, would that be, would that be bad? Well, I think the knife is the most important thing. So that's why, uh, he, uh, he carried the knife with him at all times. You know, we have to be prepared. I mean, regardless, we've got to be prepared. Uh, you know, when you yeah, talk about I'm prepared, one thing uh, that we, we probably ought to talk about is um, electricity. And the reason I say that is we are absolutely positively dependent on the uh, electron. If a store wants to sell you something, they cannot do it for the most part without electricity. They don't know what the prices are at the cash register. They have a price most of the time at the point where you pick that item off the shelf. But that's the only place where the price is. And the cashiers have no clue as to what the price is. And they don't know how to make change. And the cash registers won't operate manually. Without electricity, um, everything stops. When I say everything stops, I'm talking about uh, the supply chain. Uh, if you want to buy something from the pharmacy, without electricity, you can't. If you, if you need... Uh, uh, medical um, drug. If you need drugs for medical conditions, and there's no electricity, you're not going to get them. It's as simple as that. They won't be able to look up uh, your prescription to find out if if uh, they'll let you buy it. So we are really dependent on the electron, which means to me that if you absolutely positively have to have a prescription, you better have extra to ride out a storm or a grid down situation, and that can happen. Um, and then, you know, the thought is, at home, we can have a generator. All right, would that be a gasoline generator? Would that be a propane power generator? Or would that be a diesel generator? And there are, those choices uh, are somewhat complex. So, for example, if you have a gasoline power generator, the advantages of, of that are that you can go to a gas station and get gasoline. But those generators typically run at 3,600 RPM, kind of like a lawnmower, but running at wide open throttle. Now, here's what a lot of us don't realize. We may use a generator for a few hours and put it away, and then maybe a year later do it again. And Well, the life expectancy of an air-cooled generator that you might get at a big box store is uh, 30 days. 30-day life expectancy for an air-cooled generator that you might pay six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars for. I had to look that up when you told me that off air. I had to look that up, and you're you're exactly right. But go on. Mm-hmm. And not only that. So, you know, some people are thinking, "Well, I'll, I'll get a few gas cans. I'll have uh, you know three five-gallon cans in the in the garage. I'm, I'm good to go." Well, all right. Let's assume you have enough gasoline to ride out uh, 30 days. 
And let's say the generator actually makes it the full 30 days because that's the life expectancy of these generators. Well, the oil change interval is 25 hours. So you're going to, and if it, if it uses a quart of oil to change the oil, you're going to need 25 quarts of oil to go 25 days. Yeah, you'll need 30 quarts of oil to go 30 days. 30 quarts of oil to run that thing for a month. That's so that you'll get the maximum life out of it, the full 30 days. If you take that generator and you put it outside and you hook it up and you, and you run it and it's at night, you will see the exhaust system glowing red. It runs red hot because it's running wide open throttle. Now, if that generator is being used, um, to power a load, let's say 80% of its capacity, it's going to burn, if it's a small generator, it's going to burn at least one gallon of fuel per hour. That's gasoline. That's 24 gallons a day. 24 gallons. And, and the reason this is so important, and I'm stressing this, is when I lived in Virginia, we had a neighbor who had a gas generator. And they had a gal of one and a half five-gallon cans. So one was full and one was half full. They thought they were all set. They, they had a bigger generator and it was burning about a gallon and a half an hour. They had hardly any fuel. And the roads were icy and that's why we, we had a massive ice storm and you couldn't drive on the roads. You just couldn't drive. And no one could go to the gas stations to operate them. So not only... Nothing was open. Nothing. Electricity was down and nothing was open. And these generators were burning at least a gallon an hour. That was a huge problem. Now, another uh, disadvantage of gasoline power generators is gas is highly flammable and has a short uh, shelf life for the fuel. That's you true. might be able to get 12 months out of it. So then what do you do? Well, what's another choice? Well, diesel. What I have is a diesel generator here at the farm. This thing is the size of a refrigerator turned on its side. I paid about $1,400 for its military surplus it's 5,000 watts. That sounds very small, but it's a real 5,000 watts. And I can power the entire farm on this generator. The engine runs half the speed of that gasoline generator. It runs at 1,800 RPM, and it has a life expectancy of about 20,000 hours if you service it properly, 20,000 hours. Um, it's an, If anyone wants to look it up, it's called an MEP-002. A, and um, it's a two-cylinder military surplus, 240 volt, 120 volt, absolutely a wonderful generator. But it's huge and it's heavy. But it burns a, a half a gallon an hour. Now I I have stored diesel fuel for ten years. They say it only stores 18 to 24 months. That's not my experience. I've stored it easily for five years. And pretty darn sure I've got some that's 10 years old. Now, a diesel engine is a lot noisier than a gasoline-powered engine, so keep that in mind. True. So what I, what I did was I put it in my garage. I have a freestanding garage, and I fabricated an automotive exhaust system so that it runs through a car muffler, a four-cylinder car muffler, and uh, you can hardly hear the thing. And it uses half the fuel of a gas powered uh, generator. Of course, another choice would be um, propane. 
Now, propane has a really long shelf life, probably, you know, a lifetime, our lifetime. Burns clean. Um, you can get uh, home delivery in a 500 or 1,000-gallon tank. It's a quieter running machine, but propane is really flammable, really flammable, and it's under high pressure. And uh, you may use as much as three times as much fuel, three times as many gallons per hour as diesel. And if it's a propane-powered air-cooled generator, it would probably last um, one-tenth as long as a diesel generator. So those are three of the choices. Now, of course, there's natural gas, which is wonderful, except can you depend on the natural gas supply? Can you depend on people to show up for work in a serious widespread disaster? I don't think so. And I'm not going to bet my life on other people showing up for work. So that brings me back to diesel, and that's what I've selected here at the farm. And, and combined with the shelf life of diesel fuel, obviously. So, uh, and the, what you said about the uh, uh, about the exhaust or the uh, yeah the exhaust on on uh, gas generators. I used a gas generator. I, I'm I'm thinking it was about three to four hours. It was a half a day, roughly. Uh, this is all, I don't know, maybe a half a dozen years ago. What you said about the exhaust, when I went out at night after our power came back on, I mean, it looked, um, it looked like the, looked like a cigar ember there at the, you know, at the, where the exhaust was. Right. It's running red hot, right? Yeah. And, and that surprised me. Um, but but one thing that surprises me even more, and again I had to look there. I did look this up, and, and you're exactly right. You're only looking at about thirty days of service on average for a gasoline generator, a big box store gasoline generator. So you're not going to be powering your house for six months in the event of an EMP type situation or whatever or any situation. I mean a loss of service situation. You're not going to be doing that. Both of so what do we do? Yeah, so what, what, yeah. Well, here's yeah, what the do we do? The answer is um, a generator is great. If if a person has a well, and that's because they need it, right? And that well is going to have to be powered with, with something. I mentioned our neighbor in Virginia during the ice storm. Well, they had a, all of our neighbors had, well, three out of four neighbors had generators, us and uh, two of the other neighbors. None of them had configured their generator to power their well at 240 volts. They only had uh, a couple extension cords, and they didn't have enough of those, and they were interested in watching TV. But none of them had water because they couldn't power their well. So you need a 240-volt generator for most to power most wells. So what you do is you power the well and you store the water. So you don't run the generator all the time. You run the generator long enough to get enough water and uh, do the things that you need to do, and then you shut the generator off. So you might run it for half an hour or an hour and then shut it off. So that means that you need to move away from things that require lots of electricity. What would that be? That would be an electric stove. An electric, if, if a person had one of those big box store generators and hooked it up to their um, circuit panel, and had that thing running and, and turned on the stove, it would stall the generator. If the hot water heater were electric and it came on 
to heat the hot water, it would stall the generator. If uh, an electric dryer were used, it would stall the generator. So the things to get rid of if you want to survive this kind of a scenario would be get rid of the electric stove, the electric hot water heater, um, and the electric dryer. Now, an electric dryer is kind of a nice thing to have, except you don't need one. You can wash your clothes and hang them on coat hangers, and you can put a, a dowel rod between uh, the doors uh, or a door in going into a room and use those plastic hangers, and you don't need an electric dryer. As a matter of fact, we have an electric dryer. We've never used it. And uh, what do we save? About a dollar a day. So $365 a year we save by not using the electric dryer that we have. We just hang our clothes. As soon as we wash them, we hang them on these plastic hangers, and that works fine for us. Um, and the electric stove, when, when we built this house, we put in a propane stove. And uh, the hot water heater, actually, we heat our hot water with wood. We have an outdoor wood furnace. It's pretty large. It has a, a four-foot by five-foot firebox. That means I could literally crawl in there. Um, and uh, if you know if a cow dies or a calf dies, and it's freezing cold in the winter, and we have to uh, cremate that that calf, that's what we do. So it's it's a useful tool, but it also heats our house. We heat our entire house with the outdoor wood furnace, and uh, we heat our hot, domestic hot water with the outdoor wood furnace. And we have a fully operating farm with cattle uh, waterers and electric lights and uh, computers and three freezers and a refrigerator and all the things that most people would want and our electric bill is less than $100 a month. My word, okay. Including running the broadcast. And that's because um, we use propane for cooking and, you know, uh, 1,500 gallons of propane would probably, for cooking, would probably last about eight years. The lighting system that I put in, in our kitchen, to prototype this, I bought some LED lighting strips on the Internet. They're about 15 feet long, and they will operate on a 12-volt car battery. And what I did was I fabricated some 1.5 by 1-inch boards, shelving boards. I ripped them down to 1.5 by 1, and I mounted them about a foot lower than the ceiling around the perimeter of our kitchen. I uh, glued these LED light strips facing up. And so the light from the LEDs aims up at the ceiling, and it's an uh, indirect lighting system. So a recess lighting system, basically, right? Well, uh, some people might call it that, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah that, that would be another term. Yeah. So it's indirect. You can't see the light. You can't, I mean, you can't see the bulbs or the LEDs. And it reflects off the white ceiling. So the lights point up. You don't see them. And for... $20 worth of LEDs, I have the entire kitchen lighted. And what I do is it's so nice that I can light up the entire kitchen for, and it's a big kitchen. It's about 15 feet wide by 30 feet long. So it's a, for for a kitchen, I guess it would be considered large. And we do a lot in our kitchen. That's kind of where we live. I can light up the entire kitchen for 50 watts. Less than a typical incandescent light bulb. I can light up the entire room. And I've had it lit up for a couple years now with this prototype. And it really works well. So what you can do, and I have a light switch. I fabricated a standard light switch. I cut it into the into the sheetrock. 
I ran a 12 volt wiring and you can take a, a, a deep cycle battery. You can get one at the Chinese factory outlet for about a hundred dollars, a small solar panel and uh, aim that solar panel and connect it to a, a charge controller, charge the battery from the sun and have a regular light switch that looks like any other light switch, uh, operate these LEDs and you can turn that light switch on and you can have free electricity almost except for the cost of the equipment in, uh, in your house. Now we just prototyped it in the kitchen. I'm, de- I bought enough of these LED strips, about $200 worth, and I can light up the entire house for $200 worth of LEDs. Now these are 12 volt LEDs. These are not what you would screw into a light bulb socket uh, and replace an incandescent light bulb. They, you know, what we did was we took the incandescent 100 watt light bulbs, we replaced those with 26 watt compact fluorescents, then we replaced those with a little bit more efficient LED light bulbs. But the problem with that is that the LED light bulbs that you screw into uh, sockets that are 120 volts is there's conversion circuitry to reduce uh, or convert AC electricity, alternating current, at 120 volts down to um, 12 volts and um, convert it to direct current. Well, that electronics, is that's the failure point. Not the LED, but the electronics is the failure point. So to eliminate that failure and have those bulbs quit on you, uh, just don't use it. Just go with these LED lighting strips that you can get on the Internet for $10 for 15 feet, and it works great. So here's, here's the I guess, the point of that. The point is, when the lights go out, the power fails, what's the first thing people do? They try to find a flashlight, batteries are dead. Then, then they get a candle uh, where the matches. Or if they're really sophisticated, they'll get some kerosene. But I've got a big dog. Uh, my dog is about, he's an English Mastiff. He's got a long tail. His head is higher than the kitchen table. And if he gets excited, his tail can knock over that kerosene lamp and set the house on fire. So that's not an option for me. So the option really is to permanently wire in LED lighting that I can just flick the switch on and it works. As a matter of fact, why not use it all the time? That's what we do. What's the life expectancy of an LED strip, lighting strip that you're referring to? I mean, how long will it last? 50,000 hours. All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, trying to do right. the math 50, here. 50,000 hours. Uh, okay. Um, if you're, that, you're really wow. lucky. If you're fortunate and you get an incandescent light bulb to last uh, 300 hours, that's doing really well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. Especially when they're okay. upside down. You know, the problem the problem with compact fluorescent lights, um, well, a couple problems. One is I'm concerned about the, the high frequency that they emit, the electromagnetic radiation out of a compact fluorescent light. I've measured them, and they, they do create electromagnetic radiation. I think it's harmful to us, but I can't prove it. So I don't want them in my house. Um, incandescent lights um, use three times, four times more energy. So that's really not a good option. LED lighting doesn't have electromagnetic radiation, so I'm pretty happy with that. And they last almost forever. So you buy them once, and, and you're probably good for your lifetime, or darn close to it. So that's that's the plan that, that uh, I've pursued. And, and that's, that's really interesting. And I think people can... Uh prepare now the lighting part you know when the lights go out um to to me that's kind of uh, of all the things that bother me 
is when the lights go out. And I'm not afraid of the dark, but it's difficult to do anything in the in the dark if you don't have light. I mean, obviously you need light. So, yeah. So your system, okay. So so you're talking about LED strips connected to a deep cell battery, fashion uh, on off switch basically, and mm-hmm. power it or recharge it with a solar panel. Mm-hmm. And you're good well, to go. There's something else you can do. It's even simpler. Let's let's say you want to prototype this thing, and you say, you know what? I'll, I'll just I'll just hook up a. I bought uh, for twenty dollars. I bought a roller wire. I think it's uh, five hundred feet long. Bought it on eBay, and I could put two alligator clips on that piece of wire, throw it out the window, close the window on it, and take those two alligator clips, one red, one black, and hook it up to my car battery. Mm-hmm. That thing would last probably darn close to a month, running twenty four seven. Now, how do I charge the battery? Well, I start the car. Run it for 10 yeah. minutes and shut it off. And, you know, when we talk about a generator, that's another thing we should probably mention. That, you know, for some people, a generator might not be a good option. How about something silent? And that would be uh, a DC to AC inverter. So you can get an inverter and a couple cable clamps, hook it up to your car battery, and run an extension cord inside. So now you have 110 volts or 120 volts AC inside that's converted from your car battery. And how do you uh, how do you charge the battery on uh, on the car? Well, you start it up. Now, how much fuel do you have? Well, on average, let's say you have a 20 gallon fuel tank. Um, on average, it would be half full. Well, so you have 10 gallons. How much does it burn? Well, let's say you run it for 10 minutes. You wouldn't burn all that much fuel. Would you be able to ride out a storm? Probably. Just another thought. How much does an inverter cost? Oh, $100. $100. You, you need one that's about 1,000 watts. You can run a refrigerator on it. You can run your lighting on it. You can run your computers on it. But, you know, if, if it's a grid-down situation, uh, we're thinking that cell phones are going to work. Well, those yeah. things have battery-powered systems and backup. <laughs> when the power goes down, the batteries kick in. The, uh, the uninterruptible power kicks in. And how long is that good for? A couple hours. Then the generator kicks on. How good? How long is that good for? Maybe a week. What if they can't refuel the generator? That's a problem. So I think we need to think about what's really important to us. Is that cell phone really important to us? I think it'd be better to plan on, you know, have a map with uh, three colors, with three roots. You know, a, a red root, a blue root, and a and a green root. And what you do is you uh, you have Everybody in the family has the same map, and you have the same colors for the different routes to get home. And so you say, all right, if there's a problem, I'm going to take the red route or the blue route. That way, if someone's coming to look for you, they know what road you're going to be on. I think that's a good way to go. And others don't, if they happen to overhear you. So, I mean, it works both ways. I mean, yeah, very important. All right. You know, we had we had talked so much, and we only have about uh, four minutes left of the program. I can't believe it. it it's just gone so so quickly. Vince, um, what's your what's your biggest concern? And, and I know we don't have enough time to even approach this, but I just want to know: out of everything you see happening today, you're a prep guy. For for what's me, your, yeah. For me, uh, now remember, I live on a farm, and and I've got fuel, and I've got you know, spare parts and things like that. I have several concerns. Radiation from Fukushima is a really big concern. 
chemistry 101 class professor held up a jar. It was a quart jar in front of the class. And he said, this is a quart jar. And this is red dye. There's red dye in this quart jar. So I'm going to pour this in the ocean figuratively and stir it around, mix it up, pop top to bottom, left to right. And then this other jar over here, this is empty. I'm going to scoop out in any ocean of the world, since they're all connected, a quart of ocean water. There will be at least one atom of red dye in this quart jar that I just scooped out water in anywhere in, in the world, mm. in the oceans. So since we know that the oceans are interconnected, and since we're dumping millions of gallons of radioactive waste and radioactive contaminated water um, into the oceans, into the Pacific, and all the oceans are connected, I'm not going to eat seafood. And I, I'm worried about the radiation in the air and in the water from Fukushima. That's huge. And then, of course, electric power disruptions uh, in a grid-down situation. Why? Because we have a just-in-time inventory system. The inventory is in the trucks on the way to the stores. So you buy one, and they're getting another one to replace it tonight. So we are nine meals away from anarchy. Nine meals. Three days. Three days away from anarchy. That's a big situation. So someone who's diabetic, plenty of people are diabetics. Uh, um, that is a big concern. Where are they going to get the insulin from? Is there an alternative for insulin? Not really. Not really. Uh, camel milk is, is a possibility. Other than that, I don't know of an alternative for insulin. And what about uh, those who have um, medications for, you know, their heart and lungs and so forth? Sure. Big problem. And then, of course, uh, can you believe the government? Can you believe what they say? You know, we had a, a nuclear accident, a meltdown in Three Mile Island down near you in Pennsylvania. Yep. Yep. Okay, they said, it's just steam. Just steam. Don't worry about it. Just, it's just steam. Well, it wasn't just steam. It was a meltdown. It was an absolute meltdown. And uh, Downwinders, I saw Downwinders on television 10 years later, and uh, there was a guy holding a dandelion leaf, and he had his arm stretched out. The dandelion leaf was three feet long. So we can't necessarily believe what we're told. We can't believe what we're told, indeed. Yes, man, I, I hate to do this to you. We're getting a hook. We're at the end of the broadcast. Folks, Vince Finelli, the guy knows preparations. USAPrepares.com. That's USAPrepares.com. Radio show every day, 9 to 11 Central Time. Tune in. Thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. Thank you so much. Global Star Our Radio Network. Network.